your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the week. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley, Randy Carricker with you. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis is out today. He's going to be with Jamie Rivers for the afternoon show today. And uh, while you were sleeping, do we have the machine back up? Can we turn uh, Rebecca Black back up for a second? Because we got something else. Win, 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 win. Oh, oh, yeah. While you were sleeping, the Cardinals decided that win, 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 win. is going to be their shortstop. <laughs> Forever. Oh, I am so excited. <laughs> you said forever. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully for a long, long time. How about that? Randy, okay. I'm so excited. I wasn't expecting that news to come out last night because maybe, and I wonder if a lot of other fans felt this way. You saw Adam Wainwright. That was a great bounce back performance for him, but he did not get the run support. Feels like we've seen that song and dance so many yep. times this season. And so you're just kind of sad a little bit. Then all of a sudden, Katie Wu of The Athletic with that story Scoop. that Mason Wynn, she scooped, she scooped it up. Mm-hmm. Mason Wynn is coming here to St. Louis. Finally. I'm so, I'm so, so excited. I'm going to be in the stands tonight. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm yeah. fired up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I so. just, I want to know, because I, I texted this to you guys in the group chat last night, and then I tweeted out as well. This feels like the most exciting in-season call-up for a top prospect since who? For me, it's Alex Reyes since 2016, but uh, people have brought up uh, Oscar Tavares since in, in 2014 and uh, a lot of similarities there, but mid-season. So this doesn't include Jordan Walker, obviously, who yes. was with the Cardinals on opening day. Uh, th- there have been some really interesting ones over the years. I would say those two in recent memory, if we're going to do since, Tavares was one of the top two prospects in the sport, and Reyes was the number one pitching prospect in the sport. So I would say that those two, uh, for me, kind of got my my blood pumping a little bit. And I was saying since, so I was thinking like the most recent I could think of, I brought up Nolan Gorman because I know that there was a lot of excitement about bringing him up, but a lot of people also mentioned Oscar Tavares. You were there. What was that experience like when Oscar Tavares got the call up and then he was able to come play? And hit a home run. It was amazing. There, there were a couple of things. Number one, he'd been described as a left-handed hitting Vladimir Guerrero, and he kind of had the same swing except left-handed. And then there's a sprinkle of rain. The Cardinals are playing the Giants, and the sun is shining through the rain, and the drops are coming down. <laughs> you can find it on Google. Find Tavares' first major league up. home run. It's a, oh, and I think it's on video, too. And he just hits with this 
superb Ted Williams-like swing hits this majestic home run into the right field stands. It was an amazing day, and we all thought, okay, this guy is the real deal. He's going to do this all the time. And he wound up having, obviously, not a very good rookie year and then tragically passed away after uh, that first half season that he played. But not just the fact that it was a an incredible prospect being being called up, but then just the the mythical nature of that home run. I can still see it in my mind's eye. It was amazing. The way you painted the picture of that. I need oh. somebody to actually paint a picture of that because that was beautiful. <laughs> it was it was a remarkable day at the ballpark. Man, it was cool. And uh, hopefully Mason Wynn will get the opportunity here. I think the biggest thing, Brooke, is him getting the opportunity to experience the major leagues, experience the Mm -hmm. dugout, experience what the leadership uh, vibe is like in that room. Because I think he's a guy, and let's hear from Mason Wynn. He's a guy that, hearing him on BKM Ferrario the other day, we got the opportunity to, to hear that maybe there's a little bit of leadership that the Cardinals are, I think, honestly lacking right now. And he's got some energy and some personality. Where's that come from? Honestly, I think it's just me being from Houston and being from Texas. I mean, I've always been... You know, playing a lot of sports, being real competitive, made made a lot of friends throughout, you know, played three sports growing up. And, um, you know, I've always been very talkative, very high energy. But, you know, especially baseball wise, you know, it's, uh, you know, a lot of fans don't think it's a lot of fun. So I try my best to make it as much fun on and off the field as possible. <laughs> and last night, of course, he hit a two run homer. And we're going to hear that in just a moment. But what's his message to you as Cardinal fans? Oh, it's bright. It's bright for sure. I, uh, you know, since I got drafted, I mean, the fans to me have been, I, I can't, you know, I'm a little biased. I think we do have the best fans in the world, but, you know, as far as how they've treated me and how the support that they've put out, you know, I mean, it's, it's been fantastic. And, you know, I just, I want to put on a show each and every day for, for everyone that's watching, you know, if they might only be able to come to one game, you know, I want that one game. I want them to see something special out of Mason Wood. Oh, baby, that is all the right things to say (laughs) right there. That is electrifying. And that's what you see with his play. If you've been able Mm -hmm. to see some of his clips from when he's been playing in Memphis. And by the way, last night for a three for four night for him, his 18th home run of the season. So it's like perfect timing. You had Mm -hmm. that happening during the game. And then you see him get the call up afterwards. He is an electrifying player, his speed, just his athletic ability, his talent, his skill. And then just hearing him talk, you can feel that fiery nature in his play. And it also is how he presents himself. Right. And and Brooke, we've talked a lot over the last couple of days about various Cardinals and about the five tools, hit, hit for power, run, field, throw. This is a guy that's capable of hitting 300. Uh, he's got the 18 home runs. He's, we know he can run. He can steal bases, but he can also run defensively. Uh, he, he can pick it at the position, and he throws the ball across the diamond at 100 miles an hour. He's the, the quintessential five-tool player. I'm so excited. And then 17 stolen bases this season. It, it's just electrifying what he's going to be able to do. And you mentioned before we heard that sound, maybe some of those leadership qualities yeah. that he will bring. You can feel that in the way that he presents and talks and just how comfortable he is. And oh, by the way, he's very close, best friends with Jordan Walker. So to be able to see those two reunited, it's going to be so exciting for Cardinals fans to have these two to watch for so, oh. so long into the future. Think about this, that in the same season, the Cardinals have brought up Walker and mm-hmm. Mason Wynn and then Casey Lawrence. I mean, it's pretty amazing uh, what, the future uh, that this that this Cardinal organization has. Uh, what, there's a name in there that I don't 
I don't know if it belongs necessarily. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> I'm going to say it's Casey Lawrence. He's 30, <laughs> just, it's ageism here. Ageism. Is I, he's 35. I think it's going to be Casey Lawrence. Now, when you talk about if it's going to be Tink Hints next season, Ooh, yeah. you add that to that mm. young core. We've been talking about it. Mason Wynn, Jordan Walker, Tink Hints, Matt Holiday even saying the other day that those are those three young impact players yep. that he can see working for him next season and into the future. That's electrifying. Pretty cool. Now to the present. The Cardinals did fall to the Mets last night, 4-2 at the ballpark. Brooke mentioned Adam Wainwright's bounce-back performance. He goes six innings, allows, he gives you a quality start, right? Six innings, three earned runs, four hits. He struck out two and walked three through 93 pitches. Palante came in along with uh, Chris, uh, no, no. (laughs) Okay, I'll give him Drew Verhagen today. Okay. Uh, He he went uh, two-thirds of an inning and then, John King quickly turned into John King uh, by (laughs) allowing a home run. But the Cardinals got a home run of their own, and we can't dismiss Bro Neal in the seventh inning. Well struck, deep left field to the track and the wall, and the Cardinals are on the board. First home run allowed by Jose Quintana in nearly 100 innings. Yeah, Tyler knows him very well. O'Neal with the homer. Burleson hit a sack fly later in the uh, in the inning. But the Cardinals allowed that home run to Tim LaCastro and wound up losing by a score of 4-2. to two. And this, it happens. You're 54-68 and 68 now, 14 games under 500 again, which is kind of, seems like since the first month of the season, 14 games under 500 has kind of been what the Cardinals are. Yeah, it- I, I am happy, though, for Wayno. I felt like that was a performance that he needed, and it shows you just how he's able to perform in pressure situations. I think that that was a pressure situation for him last night because we knew what was at stake, right? We, we had him on Wednesday, and it seemed like the conversation has been if he continues, especially how those last two starts went prior to last night, giving up a combined 15 runs in just four, in four innings, I think the writing was on the wall that maybe the Cardinals' hand might be forced to do something something so that pressure was there for Adam Wainwright to prove that right. he needed to continue and be allowed to pursue these 200 wins and it was just another one of those hard luck losses for him last night where he just didn't get the run support I was just happy to see him look a little bit more like the Wayno that we expected yeah and hopefully that will propel him to the 199th and 200th wins of the season you'd like to be able to do it against the Mets number one his history his first big moment was the strikeout of Carlos Beltran but the Mets are also tanking and Mm -hmm. they, they haven't been good so you'd like to take advantage of those games that you have against teams that aren't performing that well and Jose Quintana on the other side of it I hate seeing him do that, right? Like that's yeah. I I wanted him back, and I know I that injuries it, it kind of worked out in a way for Cardinals. Even though you can never predict that that was going to happen to him earlier this season, but he looked fantastic. You knew that that performance was going to come out of him last night in Bush Stadium. And Brooke, we should mention that as the Cardinals bring up Mason Wynn, they also are putting Lars Newtbar on mm-hmm. the IL with the, what is being termed. I, I think the injury is really. Uh, Interesting. Placed on the on the ten day IL with a lower abdomen abdomen contusion. Lower abdomen contusion. Is that when you yeah. have like food poisoning? Could I also uh, call that like a lower abdomen you, issue? You could call that an issue, but probably okay. not a contusion. It, yeah, maybe we should just start categorizing it as like lower body injury, just like they do in I hockey. For upper him, body. I think everybody would feel better if that were the case. If they didn't see it, <laughs> lower body injury. Lower body injury. That's I like what, what you did there with your voice. There, where you went. <laughs> That's what it is. 
<laughs> I feel bad. I do. I, it's terrible I do. for I feel, him. I feel bad. Oh, man. Yeah. Even, we, neither of us feel as bad as he does. No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> and uh, we have soccer this weekend, the uh, St. Louis City SC side back in action on Sunday, correct? Over at the City Park against Austin. They opened their season. They opened their existence against Austin, beating them 3-2 in their inaugural game. Uh, back in March, and we, as we roll on here, are going to talk to Sonny Guadarrama of Apple TV. He is an analyst, and uh, we're going to talk some St. Louis City SC bouncing back here on August 20th on the opening drive. Brooke and Randy, 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the only way City knows how to play. Oh, that's completely given away. In a word, we're breaking down City SC on the opening drive in our weekly segment we like to call Controlled Chaos. Brought to you by Keystone Event Staffing. Better people mean better events. Today, he'll be doing the fast lane with Jamie Rivers this afternoon. Brooke Grimsley, Randy Carricker with you. And City SC is back in action at City Park on Sunday. And they'll take on Austin. And they beat Austin FC in their inaugural game by a score of 3-2. That was way back in March. And joining us to talk about this game between City and Austin is Sonny Guadarrama of Apple TV. He's an analyst and also happens to live in Austin. So he knows Austin FC very well. Sonny, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. It's a little hot in Texas, uh, in Austin specifically. Hopefully, it's better weather in St. Louis. Oh well, you know, we don't want to make you jealous or anything, but yeah, we uh, we're like the new San Diego, Sunny. Let me tell you right now, uh, it is 61 degrees and a high of about um, 80 today here in St. Louis. I might be packing more than just a weekend getaway. There, <laughs> there you go. Hey, uh, first of all, tell us about uh, what we can expect this Sunday because City SC has not played a league game in a month. What do you think we should be expecting from uh, St. Louis this weekend? I, mean, I think specifically both teams had early exits in the league's cup, and I think they got a point to prove. I think City at home and having the record that they have um, and now kind of down to the wire these last couple of games, they're going to want to put up a good performance in front of their fans after what was probably a disappointing exit um, for both teams. So I think Austin's kind of in the same boat. I think it should be a game with a lot of energy and Austin's can't sit back. They're going to have to come out and look for points. So it, it should be an exciting game. Of course, we have to ask you about the biggest story in MLS, and that's Lionel Messi and his dominance in the League Cup. What do you make of his play and just what he's been able to do? I mean, he's not considered the best player in the world or second best or whatever, top best in the world for no reason. And and when somebody has that tag labeled on them, I think he would do this anywhere. Um, So I'm not surprised that he's able to change around a whole team uh, I wouldn't say by himself. I think the other guys that came in, Busquets, um, obviously helped. But he's he's just one of the best in the world. So it's not it's not surprising to me. I think it's exciting for the league. I think it brings more opportunity. I think there's going to be a lot more people coming in. Obviously, there's a lot more people tuning in to Apple TV to watch games. 
and it just makes it more exciting. So I think it's only positives for the league. And I think he's coming still at a time when he's still got a lot to give, as you can see with the amount of goals that he's scoring. So I wouldn't be surprised if Miami wins the league's cup and maybe even push themselves into like a playoff position just with kind of this momentum that they have building. What do you think about his comments and just the thought process of now with his presence there and the way that MLS is growing and you've been able to see it continue to grow and develop over the years. Do you think it's poised to step up and catch up to the European leagues, which I know is really hard to do, but at least get closer to that? I think a big factor is still going to be the money. When you're capped out because you're only allowed to spend a certain amount of money, I think you're already limiting yourself. Um, I think it's going to take a while for that to get out, to be able to compete. I mean, you can see what's happening in Saudi Arabia. Not that I think that that's like a big threat, but money is money talks. So if at one day they were supposed they could open up that, that channel and kind of have a little bit more of a spending budget, I think people would want to come here and live here and play here. Uh, they would enjoy the facilities, the, the stadiums, living stateside, I think it would be very attractive for a lot of players. Apple TV analyst Sonny Guadarrama with us on 101 ESPN. And Sonny, St. Louis City SC has had a ton of success without Klaus. He's getting closer to being back, but what's your, been your impression of their performance and what they've been able to accomplish without him? I mean, I think it, in general, just being the first year, the people behind them, and then putting up the numbers that they have is pretty impressive. Um, the fact that they're able to still maintain in the top position without one of their best forwards is a good sign because in this league, when you don't have your three DPs on the field, it is very difficult to win games. So for your team to kind of have this standard and continue to get points out and be in the position that they are, and if you can get him healthy right before um, playoffs and give him, I don't know, five, six games to get back into rhythm, I think – St. Louis is going to be in a good spot, and people are not going to want to go play against St. Louis in the playoffs. And Austin FC has, after a relatively slow start, they've played very well of late, haven't they? They have picked it up. Um, they recently made a trade, so Fuglundes left to go to LA Galaxy. That is That was kind of a shocker to the people here. Uh, he was, had a great connection with the fans and the people of Austin. Um, so we'll see how that kind of shakes up their formation because he was getting considerable minutes every single game. And I think he was kind of a pillar for, for Austin FC. So this will be the first game to see how kind of Josh Wolf will be able to adjust without having a wounded on the field. Hey, one more thing, Sonny, from, from me, and that's in regard just to the presence of City SC in the league. And everybody knows about the crowds and about the passion for the sport here in St. Louis. But relative to what you expected from this franchise and what they've delivered, how, how different are they? I mean, I think it's if we're talking about like comparing it to European based, like how the soccer is, I think the fans have got it down. Um, the fans are intense. They are alive and awake. And I think they bring sort of this 12th man to the team and teams, not every team in the league has this kind of fan base around them because a lot of teams, we go to a lot of stadiums 
and it's not that the, the stands aren't filled. It's just a different type of fan base that, that shows up to the games. So I think in that regards, they, they've gotten it right. And I think for the teams that come into play against St. Louis are either a little shocked or a little motivated because of what they see. And I think the people that play on St. Louis, I'm imagining that they are very hyped up for every game because every time they walk out on that field, that stadium is packed. You can kind of feel this sensation that's a little bit different than most stadiums. It's been a lot of fun so far. And Sonny Guadarrama, one little note for you. We started by talking about the fact that it's only going to get up to 83 in St. Louis today. Uh, During the game on Sunday, it's going to get to 99. It still is St. Louis after all. (laughs) You tricked me then. I might just keep my weekend getaway (laughs) there. There you go. Hey, have a great weekend. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate your insight, and hopefully we'll be able to talk again soon. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good weekend. You too, Sonny. Sonny Guadarrama from Apple TV. They do such a great job, by the way. Yes. They've kind of, uh, I'm sure in MLS cities and places where MLS is, uh, there's passion. We almost had to get it last year because Albert hit number 700 on Apple. But with the passion for the sport worldwide, I think it's a great combination. It's a great partnership, Apple and soccer, because of the soccer Demographic is younger, more tech savvy. They have no mm-hmm. problem watching a, a match on their device. And obviously MLS has bought into it. And Apple, with people like that and Taylor Twelman and all the people that they have covering the sport, they have completely bought in on MLS too. Exactly. It's so fun and entertaining to watch because of people like Taylor Twelman, where it, specifically with Taylor too, finally where he's getting an area where they really care about promoting soccer, right? He mm-hmm. with, he felt like with ESPN, and he talked about that before, that sometimes it was a little bit swept under the rug. And so now that that is your primary thing and you can focus on that, Apple doing that I think is huge. And I think that other professional sports leagues are looking at how MLS is handling this because they're kind of ahead of the curve of things. They're ahead of the change, and this is where things are going to start to really start going. And I think you have to know the room, know your audience. For example, I don't blame Pac-12 commission or the Pac-12 presidents for rejecting Apple because mm-hmm. the people that are going to watch college football, they're going to watch Stanford or, and I don't even know if Stanford was in on that, but the people that were against it, typical college football fan is probably a graduate in his 50s or 60s, his or her 50s or 60s, that is less inclined to find the game on Apple than on ESPN or ABC or whatever. Oh, I 100% agree. They're doing a great job of just really tapping into their audience. Also, I just wanted to point out something. I don't know if you guys saw this yesterday. City SC has signed their third, uh, let's see, Major League Soccer homegrown, homegrown contract with Tyson Pierce, 16-year-old. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, so you, and that's continuing to stay to that commitment of de- growing and developing talent here. Yeah, so that's Caden Glover, Miggy Perez, and now you get Tyson in there. That's just, I mean, to just they hit the ground running in every way. We talked about it yesterday with you know the community outreach side with the, with the mini parks. It's just incredible what they keep doing. Just every step of the way, they just keep following through with what they said before. And that's, that's rare from the get-go, yeah. and they, they just keep it in and out of the park. They do. Brooke, Matthew, Randy, it's the opening drive, 101 ESPN. You'll be able to hear Kerry Davis this afternoon. He'll be on the fast lane with Jamie Rivers. And you can watch us on the YouTube. All you need to do is go to YouTube.com and go to ES 101 ESPN STL. You can find us there, unless you're already watching, of course. <laughs> and the other thing you can do is always send us a mic drop with the 101 ESPN app, especially with Mason Wynn coming up. What do you think? Are you excited about Mason Wynn? And Brooke asked a great question. 
most exciting Cardinal midseason call up since blank. So we're going to do that later in the show as well. But next up, we're going to talk some golf with Jay Delsing. We're headed down the stretch of the PGA season. The BMW Championship is this weekend. By the way, we have that in a couple of years, in 2026. Yes. Uh-huh. So that'll be fun. So we'll talk to Jay about that. And then uh, what's going to happen at East Lake next week here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Brooke, I'm Randy. Happy Friday from the opening drive on 101 ESPN. We go to the Celebrity Line, and our friend Jay Delsing joins us. He is, uh, I hope he's feeling a little bit better, trying to get Jay back out on the golf course. How you doing, my man? Good morning. I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Just some, some like I told you, Randy, at this age, you get bed injuries. You go to bed feeling good, and you wake up with limping and all sorts of stupid things. It's just, oh, man. That's, yeah, it's, it's where we are in life right now. <laughs> hey, we got a lot to talk about. Let's let's start with the BMW Championship. Brian Harmon, who's played very well this year, and Rory tied for the lead as we head into second round action today. And then uh, that Wyndham Clark, man, he just keeps playing. He's minus four, and it's not like he came out of nowhere, but once he won the major, it seems that, that he's been in on the leaderboard all the time. No, I mean, he's look, you would have been hard pressed to be able to really identify who he was prior to winning the U S open. But you know, Randy, his story is so and Brooke, his story is so good about his mom having this influence in him and saying, you know, play big play, you know, do something bigger than you've thought you could ever do, you know, and, and, and that inspiration, was wow, man, all over the U.S. Open, and to see, I, it's hard for me to not think of that. You know, every time he, he, this young man does well, and he absolutely is like the modern player, guys. He's hit a mile off the tee, and he's. What's what's really significant, guys, is that this is the last week to qualify for the U.S. team for the Ryder Cup, and so with winning the U.S. Open, Wyndham is as I think he's fifth, and the and the top six automatically. Um, will qualify, and then there's you know six other guys added. So, yeah, it's it's um, it's an interesting time in U.S. golf. We have a lot of really really good young players that have stepped up, and um, it's fun, it's really fun to watch. Well, speaking of the Ryder Cup, that's what I wanted to ask you about because it's going to be very interesting. Captain Zach Johnson will have some tough decisions to make this weekend. I know that some will finalize, but there's some guys who are kind of on the bubble, including, I think, one interesting name in Justin Thomas. I know that he hasn't had uh, great play this season, but do you think that his experience will come to play and that possibly be something that Zach Johnson would look at? Oh, for sure. I don't know if he will he will get picked, but it it um, he, he's in the consideration, Brooke, and that's a great name to bring up because everyone's wondering. Justin is um, one of those. I'd say uh, not on the young side, but I mean he's still a young man. But there's we have some early twenty somethings that are that have really been playing well, and Justin's won I think fourteen times on the PGA Tour, two major championships and has a really good Ryder Cup record. Unfortunately, you know, he's at that part of his life. He just got married and, and some things are changing. So he's dealing with some some different things than just golf. And he is not 
going to automatically qualify. So do you pick him or do you not? He's not in good form. He hasn't played well in quite a while. And it's one of those things. Do you go off of past reputation or you go by current form? Yesterday, I I got to sit down with um, Luke Donald, who is the the Euro captain, the captain for the European team. And guys, uh, with with what's happened in live, the whole state of golf is just still so topsy-turvy. So imagine a Ryder Cup that doesn't have, for the European side at least, doesn't have Sergio, doesn't have Ian Poulter, doesn't have Lee Westwood. You know, these, these guys have all defected and gone to live. So it's going to have an, a completely different look, especially for the European side. And, you know, the, the U.S., there's a loophole in the rules, guys. So the U.S. and, and Captain Johnson can still pick um, DJ if he wants to, Bryson DeChambeau. It looks like Brooks Kepka is going to automatically qualify with his uh, PGA win. So it, it's just a crazy time in golf. And, and I think Zach Johnson said, uh, oh, I mean, when he started and took this job, he said, I really hope that the players make my job tough. Well, I don't think he could imagine it getting any tougher <laughs> than this one. You know, because live wasn't a thing as much, and I don't know. It's really going to be fun for a golf nerd like me. I, I can't wait to see how it all plays out. That is going to be really tough. I also just want to touch on some of the other guys that are kind of on the bubble. What do you think about Cameron Young, Colin Morikawa, and Ricky Young as a possibilities? Yeah, so so um, Fred Couples has a show on Sirius um, XM, and he let out of the bag a cat out of the bag that he said Cameron Young was definitely going to be a pick and Fred is one of the five vice captains that will be with uh, Zach Johnson so Fred said that I was shocked that he he kind of let that out that was a couple weeks ago so I would have thought he would have been kind of a an extra bubble guy I would I would have not thought he would be kind of a shoe in but he's really played good golf he's one of those younger guys I was telling you about Colin Morikawa has definitely got to be on the team I mean I don't know, but when you sit down, you guys, and think about the choices, they're, they're all great choices. like choosing a car between a Mercedes and some, you know, and they're all great. You just got to try to figure out how do we get the chemistry right in the room so that we can play well together. Guys, we haven't won in Europe in 30 years. So we better we win. Not, we got to win. Yeah. Yeah. So I was talking to Luke Donald, as I told, told you, Randy, and I didn't want to tell him that, you know, I hope you guys lose. I mean, I'm really glad you're coming on the show, but I sure as hell don't want you to win. No doubt. So don't do too good a job, Luke, you know? Yeah. Hey, Jay, I have a question about life on the tour, and I'm couching it in money because the number 100 earning PGA Tour golfer this year is a gentleman, named, he's a Brit, named Callum Terran. Uh, the first time I heard of him was when I looked up the number 100 ranked golfer. This year he's made <laughs> $1.373 million. Is... But Life the, is good out there, Randy. It, it sure Life. is. Number 100 is a guy named Callum Terran, made 1.3. But he also has to spend a lot to actually play on the tour. So how much really would $1.3 million be minus the expenses that you have to incur? Well, first of all, the biggest thing for someone like that young man is I don't know if he has dual citizenship or not, but he's going to get smoked with taxes. So he's from, you said he's from the UK, right? From, yes, from correct. England. Yeah. Yeah. So he's going to get hit with 50% of that is gone to, uh, to taxes, at least 50%. It might even be more. I read something recently, but so when, when 
about, I, I think it was uh, after about four or five years of my career, they started this thing you guys called an entertainment and an entertainer's tax. And so any state I played in, I had to file a tax return and, and they got a piece of whatever I won. Funny. They didn't do anything on the, the weeks that I missed the cut on, hmm. you know, where I was spending and didn't, um, they didn't seem to want to help that way. But what's happened now, you guys, is that the, 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 the guys from Australia, the guys from, um, um, all over the world have to pay whatever taxes are common for that level of, of, of money in their country, as well as U.S. taxes. And it's, it's not um, um, exactly the same amount in the U.S., but I would say that that young man is probably losing 60% of that, Randy, to taxes. And then, then when it comes yeah, yeah, travel and things comes, like that, right? Yeah, the travel and things like that. Now, the travel, um, uh, I, I'm sure that he's got a friend or someone who's got a residence over here that he's going to probably camp out in. You know, and so most of the guys go to Orlando. And so what he'll do is he'll he'll pro- it also depends on what sort of um, level he likes to stay at on the road. Now, what once the money has gotten so big, you guys, what a lot of the guys will do is they'll do Airbnbs and stay three or four in a house and, and, and do a lot of cooking and things like that themselves. Or what they'll do is they'll go on um, line and go to five-star hotels and just try to see if they can price line themselves a great deal at a, at a, at a Ritz Carlton or something. And, and the guys tell me that every once in a while they'll get a Ritz Carlton for 120 bucks a night or something like that. So there's a, there's, I, I would say Randy, uh, that he's going to spend, um, if he, and I'm assuming that he's going to go back and play some on the DP world tour or play some back in England. I'm going to say he's going to spend another, Oh, uh, forty, forty to fifty thousand dollars on on travel and whatnot. There. Okay, so he's doing okay. He's we we don't need yeah. to hold any benefits for Callum Tor, or Torin is Callum Taran. We, do, <laughs> we don't, and you know the PGA Tour has that stipend program now too. That's half a million dollars. So if for whatever reason you don't have a good year and you don't make a half a million bucks, then the tour will will pay you the difference. So say if you make have a horrible year and only make three hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Can't believe we're talking about this kind of money. <laughs> oh my god! Well, it's, and, and then it, then the tour gives you two hundred. Yeah, it's crazy. Pretty good. Yeah, that is interesting. Well, and then your caddy gets a percentage of that too, right? Or you're paying Absolutely. for your caddy's fare. Absolutely, and, and most of these guys have pretty special relationships with the caddy. He's kind of their number one team member um, after their 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 wives, and so they'll get um, anywhere between um, seven and ten percent of their earnings. Wow, that is that is yeah. so interesting. I think people just see those numbers and they think, oh, they're taking all that home. No, nope, that's not exactly how that works. Well, Jay, uh, with it being BMW Championship Week, of course, here in St. Louis, we're so excited to see that come here to Bell Reef Country Club in 2026. I know how big you are, of course, here in the golf scene and how in tune you are with all that. How are the preparations going for that? And just your thoughts on having another big event like that come to St. Louis? Oh, Brooks. It's, Brooke, it's badass. I just love it. It's just I, my hats off to Bell Reef for keeping St. Louis, you know, relevant in in the major golf scene. We get then we have the President's Cup coming in 2030, and I told Randy, I just hope I'm still alive back then. <laughs> that, that, that's so far off, but it's going to be a, an absolute blast. And guys, this is this is all echoes the the smashing success from 2018, where the where St. Louis, the corporate side of St. Louis, and then the golf fan turned out because 
we blew that tournament out of the water. The players are still talking about it. I had uh, Justin Leonard and, and Stuart Sink talking about pro- other than a Ryder Cup, they both said that playing in St. Louis was the the loudest, the best fans, the, the neatest environment that they've ever played in. And Stuart got paired with Tiger on Saturday. Mm. And he said, you know, nobody really cheered for, for me, but he said they were cheering a lot for Tiger and it was super positive. And, and, it, and it really was. Tiger's even mentioned it before. So um, Bell Reeves just done a magnificent job of keeping us relevant in the golf space. And, and um, I know it's not that big a, a deal, especially I think it's really awesome. Mason Wynn's coming up and I can't wait to see this young guy play and having Walker and, and Nolan Gorman and things like that. But for, for a golfer, you know, to get the tour to come in town and, and to watch how the city responds to it is really pretty cool. Jay, you've got your show coming up 8 to 10 on Sunday morning. And who do you have on this week's show? We've got Tom Watson and Peter Jacobson. Awesome. So we kind of have, you know, Tom's a, a pretty uh, salty kind of uh, real matter-of-fact guy. Peter Jacobson's an absolute riot. He's he's really fun. So the stories that we talk are going to be kind of on different ends of the spectrum, but really, really fun. I remember reading a Tom Watson book that made all the sense in the world, and I would never do it. But he said, if you're playing a 450-yard par 4 and you hit your 7-iron 150 and you hit it accurately, hit a 7-iron 150, hit another 7-iron 150, hit another 7-iron 150 next to the hole, and there you've got a par. Where's the fun in that, Randy? Then you don't have any adventure. I you know, would never you're not try over it. there in, a, in an adjacent fairway. <laughs> you're not over there by the, you know, by the beer by the by the beer cart, and you know, you just don't. Yeah, that's not. A I'm not about scoring, big boy. I'm about just hitting the daylights <laughs> out of that ball. You know that. <laughs> I'm about networking out there. That's why I've met so many people. I mean, like I'm over in their fairway. I'm like, what's it like over here? Guys? <laughs> exactly. It's pretty cool. <laughs> you're the best, Jay. Thanks. We'll be tuned in on Sunday. Have a great weekend. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Thanks. That's our buddy Jay Delsing joining us here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line. That number, 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO! Tioli next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. You can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text in test 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Time for Tioli here on 101 ESPN 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo-ho! Don't forget, you can watch us on the YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com, and you can just type in 101 ESPN STL, and you'll find the opening drive. And, oh, by the way, you should just subscribe to the 101 ESPN page on YouTube. Uh, Brooke... I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Larsa and Marcus. So Larsa Pippen. I knew that you were going to bring this up. I just knew it. (laughs) Uh, So Larsa Pippen, ex-wife of former Bull Scotty Pippen, Dream Teamer, Hall of Famer, top 50 all-time NBA player. Uh, So Larsa is uh, Scotty's ex-wife. Marcus Jordan is the son of Scotty's teammate, Michael Jordan. And 
They uh, hit up Jones in West Hollywood for dinner, and as they were leaving the restaurant, one of the paparazzi <laughs> said to Marcus, hey, are wedding bells in your future? And uh, Marcus said, we're looking for a location with a big smile on his face. When the cameras asked about whether they had a date set, Marcus explained the two have kick-started the planning process to get married. Marcus and Larsa, 32-year-old Marcus, 49-year-old Larsa. Take it or leave it, though. Here's the big one. Okay. Michael attends the wedding. Ooh. That's his son. He has to go to that, right? He did say he does not approve of this relationship. He has to go to the wedding, though. I'm going to say... I'm going to say that he is going to go to the wedding. Okay. Uh, Take two, then. Take it or leave it. Scotty attends. Oh, that'd be the hilarious. Wedding. I want to take it just because that would be absolutely <laughs> hilarious. I know that he won't go. No. But wouldn't that be amazing that they, oh, that that would they be reunite in that way? Yeah. With Scotty and yeah. Michael. The, everything with Larsa and Michael. One, thank you for continuing to keep us updated on Gotta everything that, that is yeah. going on with mm-hmm. them. But I feel like everything that I learned about them is forced. Like, is anybody clamoring for this information or are they just continuing to put it out there? Oh, yeah, I'm clamoring. They're, you're clamoring for it because it's weird. It's just so weird that they it's are doing this, weird, right? Weird in a fun way. Why don't they just yeah, like, why don't they keep some things private? I think they could elope and I think that'd be good. Oh, it's going to be a big wedding. Take it or leave it. It's going to be a big wedding. Oh, I'll totally like take that. Like a giant, big wedding. Yeah, there's no doubt. Media spectacle. Yeah. And, and Mike way, will be right there. Marcus looks so much like Michael. That must drive Scotty Pippen That's crazy. Weird. Yeah, it is. It's so weird. That's such a weird relationship. Well, take it or leave it. Just just in honor of Mason Wynn coming up here. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. He will hit a home run this weekend. I'll take it. Yes, he will. You think so? He will hit a home run and he will steal a base and Ooh. he'll make a great defensive play. I'm so excited about this. It's going to be fun. I'm so excited. I, and also, his middle name is Blaze. Take it or leave it. Mm. That's one of the best middle names that you've heard. Oh, so I Mason Blaze Wynn. He lives up to that name. I can't wait for to see what he's going to be able to do. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. No doubt about it. It's Yeah, Blaze. It's a great middle name. By, by the way, uh, your guy, the, the fan club that you are... Lars uh, present. Yes, uh, which is Lars Taylor Tatsui Newtbar. Yes. That's a that's a fun one, too, uh, like with an one. homage to uh, his ancestry. Again, I'm, I'm on Team Markevian, hence. It's a good one, too. I love Tink. The name so Tink, good. though, is just, it's fantastic. I was saying it sounds like a player from decades ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah Tink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tink and Dizzy, I tell you, they, they were one heck of a combo for oh, Charles back go. in the day. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Take it or leave it, the Cardinals should be concerned about Gorman's persistent back issues going forward. I'm going to take it. I I, I, will... I've been talking about that. I yeah. That concerns yeah. me when it comes to what... I, Rock, don't you start. Don't you? I Wait, saw this. I see the sparks. Randy, persistent back issues? How long has he been dealing with those? Uh, about a week back. Yes! Uh... I thought with carry out that we would be able to sneak no chance. by this. No, chance. no. no. In honor <laughs> my, of Carrie. How about that? You 38. In, in honor of Carrie. It, it is concerning to me because it seems like this is going to be something that he's going to deal with every single season. Yeah. And they're they are concerned. They're uh, they're concerned about him being able to play the infield mm-hmm. and and bending over all the time and the torque with which he uses to swing the bat. They're, they the Cardinals are concerned. Take it or leave it. Binner finally gets his fight this year. Oh. I'll take it. Yeah. 
I'm going to take it to you. Yeah. He, he, he wants one really badly. Yeah, it's, uh, will it be a goalie fight, though? Take it or leave it. It's a goalie fight. I, yeah. well, I'm going to take it. I, I think that he wants a goalie fight, yeah. but I can also see him fighting somebody else. Oh, take Kadri. it or leave it. There'll be multiple fights. Yeah, take it. Yeah. <laughs> Kadri, it'd be great if he, although I think the Blues do want him to calm down a little bit. You think? Yeah, in terms of the extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean he's going to. No, I don't think he will. I, I think fight. that he has calmed down a little bit because there was a difference in how he approached media over the years. Because remember when he first came up and that was the flashy kind of flair with Jordan mm-hmm. Bennington. He had all those quotes like Do I look nervous. Exactly. Yep. He had that. And I think that they kind of asked him to tone that down a little bit mm-hmm. with his media availability. So he's a lot more tamer with some of his yeah. comments. But I don't know if that's translated necessarily on ice. He's a player that you hate if he's not on your team, but love to have. If definitely, he's on your team. definitely. Take it or leave it. The MLS eventually becomes a powerhouse world league. I'm, I'm going to take it, but eventually is the operative word here. It's going to be a while. It's going to it's going to take a while. I do think Messi coming here really opens the door for a lot of opportunities for other players to pursue this path. But it's just it, it's going to take a while. Mm-hmm. The way that they approach soccer, one obviously the most popular sport over there and the way that they approach it even at a young age with players when they notice that there's talent and skill they prioritize that sometimes where they go into special clubs and special schooling and there's a huge difference on how they approach that from a cultural standpoint yeah and that's what we need to start doing is getting kids playing <laughs> at six seven years old even younger well, and even younger sign them yeah sign that's them up the thing that's get them in developmental leagues that's what you do with the mini pitches yeah you get, this, you get little league going all around here where kids haven't had the opportunity to participate in sports in a safe environment and that's that's how you start growing talent that you're not growing right now yes uh take it or leave it if horn or garcia work out for mizzou they win nine games this season that defense is legit they just need better qb play take it Ooh. I think they can win nine with Brady. So you, so this person is not even including Brady Cook in the well, conversation. I, there's a there is a contingent of Mizzou fans who are very anti Brady Cook, and it's weird, but it's there. Didn't they say that he's the starting quarterback? Mm-hmm. The fans do not like that, Brooke. Okay. But I think they win. I think they win eight or nine with. I think with everybody's Brady. been very. I understand the Sam Horn stuff because everybody's ready yeah. for him to get here. I guess it's just making sure that he will be ready for the opportunity. But for right now, it seems like Drink has made Brady Cook their starting quarterback. It will be interesting to play out. I still think Mizzou's defense is fantastic. What Baker has done with Mizzou's mm-hmm. defense is incredible, and that's really, really exciting. Offense, it'll be interesting to see and see how Luther continues to develop. Hopefully he takes another step forward as the wide receiver. Yeah, and they, they do have receiver. receivers, but they just need to... They, they need to live up to their talent level, their perceived talent level. Yeah, and ha- you lost Love it this year. Right. And having your best receiver be a receiver and not, like, a weapon is also also helps your quarterback play in a big, in a big way. Take it or leave it. There will be more win and Walker jerseys in the stands and then Molina and Wainwright by 2028. Oh, by 2028. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Five yeah. years. No doubt about it. I don't know. Way by more. The amount of Waino and, and, and Yachty jerseys that it will like, that are just like in the city of St. Louis right now. But people are, they aren't going to wear them anymore. They'll, they'll wear them occasionally. But if you're going to a game, it's just like Arenado jerseys right now. They're all over the place. People buy and wear the current players and not the former players. And people will keep their Yachty and Wayno jerseys forever. But they're going to be wearing Wynn and Walker jerseys to the games. Especially when you say by 2028. Yeah. I agree with that. And take it or leave it, the Walker jerseys will be number 22. 
Yeah, he's got to get into oh. the number. I'm not, I'm not down with this 18. I'm going to yeah. take that one. Yeah. I'm not he's, down with this 18 thing. No, he's a 22 guy all the way. 22 is a good looking number. That's a good number. I like Nathaniel, Nathaniel pulled off that number he well. Did. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up, the Cardinals are still 14 games under 500. They started 10 and 24, and it seems like they've been 14 games under 500 pretty much ever since. How much of that record is a product of poor roster construction? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. question marks in, in the pitching staff of you know, we need this guy to do this and this guy to do that and uh, when that didn't happen uh, like I said a lot of late inning uh, losses uh, that, that 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 makes it very hard uh, to compete uh, and and I think they will bounce back I think there's a, a solid nucleus but I think sometimes you have to look at how hard baseball is and to win every year and to have a you're gonna have a, a year you know every organization does the Cardinals have have been able to avoid that losing season, that sort of dip for so long, and where other teams, you know, they're experiencing these these dips. So um, I, I think it's a culmination of things that, that just kind of went wrong this year, and then you got to the deadline and, and then sort of threw in the towel and, and traded off your two best starting. To, and, and so, um, you know, now it's it's more about for next year. That is former Cardinal, Cardinal Hall of Famer Matt Holliday on the show podcast with John Heyman and Joel Sherman of the New York Post. And, Brooke, we had the questions during the course of the offseason, didn't we? If you go into a season with Adam Wainwright, who had his injury problems down the stretch last year, you could hope for Adam Wainwright to be healthy all year, but he was 41 years old. Miles Michaelis was coming off a rebound year, and he's been fantastic, but there were fair questions about Michaelis. Montgomery had never done it for a full season before with the Cardinals. He had had a, a very good August, and then he kind of struggled in September. There were questions about him, clearly questions at the outset of the season about uh, Jack Flaherty, we didn't know if he was going to be healthy. And then uh, Dakota Hudson. Dakota Hudson, yeah. You, you didn't know what he was going to deliver at the beginning of the season. So I think what Matt says there is 100% spot on that they had way too many question marks. And then they had a bullpen set up with Chris Stratton and Packy Naughton to start the season. Those were two of your guys. Stratton didn't have options. You couldn't send him out. You also had uh, Naughton. He was a, a guy that you couldn't send out. And you had Verhagen. Couldn't send him out. Palante, who had options and was send outable. And then Hicks and Helsley. There weren't many opportunities for the Cardinals if their starting pitching didn't give them innings to say, okay, we're going to send two guys down and have two fresh arms for the next game. There just weren't enough slots for the Cardinals to be able to have a uh, a lot of turnover in the bullpen, which in this day and age you need to have because starters just don't go innings. And that's what exactly what we saw happen at the beginning of the season where your starters were scuffling and it really taxed the bullpen. And it's no wonder that you got to finally the point where the bullpen just was not being able to perform in the way. And then you had the injury with Ryan Helswood. We know how much that affected the team. Jordan Hicks was able to get going, but it seemed like it took him a little bit as well. It was just a 
perfect storm. But then again, is it really a perfect storm or is it back to the roster construction where you should have seen some of the writing on the wall where you were maybe just a little too high on hopium with your starting rotation and your pitching staff in general that they would be able to somehow all, all perform at the highest level going into the season? Yeah, that's totally where they were. They, they were high on hopium. And they needed to have something more substantial and more solid in that rotation. And most people that weren't in the Cardinal organization talked about that during the offseason, mm-hmm. whether it was just getting a reinforcement like bringing a guy like Quintana back or a, a mid-level guy or getting a, a front-of-the-rotation guy, which th- that didn't help the Cardinals that that market got out of hand quickly. But they didn't even try to get—and granted— that last night was the fifth start of the year for Jose Quintana, but he had been a pretty durable guy, and that's what I was looking for. I was hoping that the Cardinals would bring back somebody with a level of durability. And then the other aspect of this that when you talk about from a roster construction mistake standpoint that hurt the Cardinals was they were just so darn anxious to have Jordan Walker here, and as it turns out, they got him here, they didn't really want him here, mm-hmm. and they wound up having too many outfielders. I still believe that that might have been a little bit more about the outfielders really not panning out as they were hoping because it just turned into a carousel out there and nobody was really running away with the competition like I think that they hoped. The Jordan Walker situation was frustrating and it's interesting because we just got a text in too because it makes me think of the Wilson Contreras situation and how that all happened in the beginning of the season when you're looking at roster construction. Somebody from the 314 said, what do you mean roster construction? It's the World Baseball Classic. Contreras stayed to learn the pitchers and every last one of the pitchers left him just look at the guys we traded not a single one has given up a run and i'm pretty sure flaherty has thrown two no hitters since leaving it's all about the world baseball classic there we go it is yes it is yes i'm i'm assuming maybe that person's being sarcastic but it's interesting because when you're looking at the roster construction i do think a lot of it does go back to their pursuit of wilson Contreras, Mm -hmm. and this has nothing to do with him they were very you know lasered in and focused on getting a catcher and they got that in wilson Contreras. that it seemed like they were just done after that they didn't pursue the starting pitcher free agency market as as much as we hoped we don't know if that was a strategic mistake or not but it seemed like they were so focused on wilson Contreras and that catching position that they didn't address some of the other needs and here's the biggest thing brooke as far as i'm concerned and the cardinals are supposed to know this it's their job but you go back and you give up an outfielder to get sean murphy who signed for a lot less money than Contreras did, signed his extension. I think he got six years and 72 from the Braves, and the Cardinals gave 87.5 to Wilson over five years. So if you go out and get Sean Murphy, Mm -hmm. then you call the herd of outfielders that you have. You don't have that issue that you ran into early in the season. You have a catcher who, by all accounts, even during last season, when we found out from various sources that Wilson Contreras was not the best at handling a, a pitching staff. And the Cardinals essentially admitted that when they told him he wasn't going to catch for a while. Uh, so you, you get Murphy, you call the herd of outfielders, you spend less, and you use that excess money on a pitcher. That would have been the ideal scenario for the yes. Cardinals, and it didn't work out. For me, and I, I'm with you 100%. This is not the fault of Wilson Contreras. But if you look right now at the biggest problem the Cardinals have, it's that they don't have a spot to play Wilson Contreras yes. and Nolan Gorman. Their DH should be Gorman every day. 
their catcher because Kisner has shown himself. We know he's solid defensively. We know he knows the pitchers. And we know that uh, he's had a breakout year offensively. That should be, if it's not Sean Murphy, it should be Kisner. But if you look right now, if you have 2020 hindsight, think about if you don't have Contreras on your roster, how much different this all works together. Oh, it'd be so different. Right. But it would also be, when I look at it, just more synchronized. Yes. Well, and the way that the DH position has been utilized this season has been frustrating just for me, my personal opinions on it, because then you also look at the Jordan Walker situation and how they didn't prepare him soon enough for the outfield. And so then that's another person that is getting more at bats at the DH position and how that takes away from other opportunities and positions. So it's been such a big ripple effect with the Wilson Contreras situation where you're having then these positions and even these guys who are getting called up. I'm going to bring up his name, Taylor Motter, mm-hmm. or even a Jose Fermin, where it's like you need guys, as Mosaic said, that are fine with not playing and just being on the bench. Yeah, and that's fine to have guys that are fine with being on the bench, but have them have the ability. I always look at bench players as guys that, okay, this guy's going on the 15-day IL or the 10-day IL. Yes. Am I comfortable with his backup playing for 10 days in a row? Especially offensively. Right. And the Cardinals don't appear to have those guys right now. You're looking at a bench tonight, and you've had a ton of injuries. So this really is not fair, but it is kind of weird. The Cardinals tonight will have a bench if Edmund plays center field and Motter plays second. Yes. You would have a bench that has Fermin, Richie Palacios, Lucan Baker, and Burleson. That's your bench. I only feel good about Burleson. Yeah, that's and if that, and, and that's what's all crazy. because of injuries. That's not the Cardinals' yes. fault at all. It's just that's the way things have worked out. But I do think that there was a better opportunity for synchronicity with this team and moving forward. Unfortunately, because you head into next year, you want Nolan Gorman to be your DH, but yes. you want either Kisner or Herrera to be your catcher. Yes. And And with this injury with Nolan Gorman, when you're touching on that, with this injury, it seems like he can't play that infield position every single day because of this injury. Yep. So he's got to be your DH. Yes. And unfortunately, so does Wilson Contreras. If your team is going to be its best, taking nothing away from Contreras, but over the course of a 162-game season next year, he should play 40, 50 games, and one of or both of the others should play the 110 or 120 that are left over. And that's what's so confusing to me is, what do you think that they were thinking was the possible outcome with this whole situation this season? When they were game planning at the beginning of the year, you bring in Wilson Contreras uh, with your pitching staff that you decided to go in with, what do you think that they were planning on how the game plan would have gone for this year? I believe that they thought that Wilson Contreras was going to catch 120, 100 30 games he was going to replace Yachty I, I think that that was it and that would have changed things dramatically because then Gorman would have been able to be your designated hitter on a regular basis and whether it's an infield that had Edmund and Brendan Donovan or DeYoung mm-hmm. and Edmund you would have had those guys slotted in to play very good defense and then you could have and I know the, the skipper says he wanted to play Edmund in center field all the time, but you would have had at least, you should have had, let me put it this way, Dylan Carlson playing center field. And I know that not everybody in the organization agreed. There were people in the organization that thought that 
Tyler O'Neill was their best center fielder, thus him starting there on opening day. Yes, and that's what's so interesting is, of course, nobody would have predicted it would have gone this haywire this season, but I don't know what's worse, that they were surprised by what happened with the whole Wilson Contreras situation this season and all that with the pitching staff, or that they knew going into the season that that could be a possibility and this was still the outcome. I, I, I don't think that they think that way. I think that they when they sign somebody, they don't think about the neg- negatives. They're only thinking, okay, this is we we did it. It's perfect. It's going to work out. I don't think they think of ramifications. And there were a lot of ramifications to the signing of Wilson Contreras to a five-year deal. And once again, that's nothing against him because Absolutely they not. were the ones that pursued him. This is not force. It's just the way that this has played out this season. And I also don't think that he's the reason why the pitching staff has suffered as much. I think Matt Holliday's point was right on the money where he said there's too many question marks, not only with the starting rotation, where you were really banking on a lot of guys with probably some of their best performances of their career possibly or at least doing decent and all of that crumbling and then that taxing the bullpen and the bullpen not having many arms to go to where you feel like you could rely on them all of that just coming together that is not Wilson that's a grander issue Wilson Contreras from an effort standpoint from somewhat early on from a performance standpoint, but it happens to many, many free agents that get off to a a rough start with a new team. I'm not going to blame Wilson Contreras for this season at all because it's, he was put into this situation. He should have accepted this situation. He wanted this situation and it's the people that evaluate that misread the situation and caused the problems not only now, but for next year with roster construction. Wilson Contreras' presence yes. is going to cause roster construction problems next year, too. Oh, 100%. As, as you already mentioned, that's going to be interesting and hard to for the Cardinals to navigate. And that's nothing on him because guess what? He signed that contract. He's going to get that paycheck Mm -hmm. every single time. So there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to find a better way to make it work. And maybe that is bringing in some catching specialist or somebody else that can help with this so that you don't have this continued problem because he's not going to be Yachty, but I think that he still should be your primary catcher moving forward. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Carey is out today. He's going to be with Jamie Rivers in the fast lane. Next up. Win, 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 win. <laughs> He's here. Uh, Mason Wynn. We're going to hear a little of what he brings to the table as he talked to BK and Ferrario the other day. But we're also going to hear what he did last night. Next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. This is a guy that's capable of hitting 300. That's driven right center field, drifting over, misplayed by Perlaza. Wynn can fly, standing into third with a triple. He's got the 18 home runs. Snyder, his first pitch is cut on, belted towards center, at the wall, and it's gone! First pitch of the first, and Wynn belts it out. And Wynn cranks this one to deep left field, going back, Harris at the wall, it's gone! It's another home run for Mason Wynn. We know he can run. He can steal bases, but he can also run defensive. middle. What a play over there by Mason Wynn, who gets up, steps on the bag, throws to first, and that is a spectacular 6-6-3 double play. He can pick it at the position. On the ground. 
off the glove of Thomas. May have hit him in the ankle as well. Mason wins sidearm. Toss, he caught him. Oh, baby. And he throws the ball across the diamond at 100 miles an hour. Shot, little flare. Shadow left down the line. Wind sprinting after it. Falls fair. Picks it up. Barehand throw. A strike to the play. Oh, my. He's the, the quintessential five-tool player. As that one is hit well out to left center field. That is well gone. The Mason Winchell. I want to put on a show each and every day for everyone that's watching, you know. If they might only be able to come to one game, you know, I want that one game. I want them to see something special out there for them. Randy Carricker and Brooke, that's what Ozzy used to say. If he, When people come to the game, he wants them to be able to see something special every single day. And Mason Wynn will be in uniform for the Cardinals tonight, playing shortstop, wearing number zero. And he has just been fantastic since the early part of the season. He didn't get off to the best start in April. He hit only 223 with a 608 OPS. But since then, since the start of May, he's been really, really good. And he joined BK and Ferrario a couple of days ago and talked about what's been working well for him offensively since May. No, I started off the season real rough and then uh, made a, a stance adjustment. A little bit more up right now, I'm working more towards the ball, swinging with some more authority. You know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of players like myself, you know, not the biggest guy in the world, we get into the mindset that we have to be the single guy, we have to walk, we got to get on base for our teammates. But I think some sometime throughout the year, I want to say Indianapolis, our hitting coach just came up to me and was like, dude, you can, you're a guy that can drive the ball into the gas and drive the ball to the fence. And, you know, I kind of got that back into my head, kind of kind of a high school mindset and started swinging for it a little bit more. And I think uh, I think that's the biggest difference. I think it's just really a confidence boost that I needed. Mason Wynn is 21 years old, and he's 5'11 and 180. Mickey Mantle was 5'11 and 190. Oh. And he hit 536 home runs. Here so, we go. Like he says, yes. you don't, you don't we'll, to, we'll give applause for yeah, that. Thank you. You don't have to be the biggest guy in the world to hit home runs. That's my point. No. And he hit his 18th home run last night before getting this call up. It's just so exciting. And you could feel the energy from the fan base and the energy that he has. He's saying all the right things, Randy. You were talking about mm-hmm. Ozzy Smith. That energy, you can tell that confidence just really powers through him not only in his play, but just the way that he carries himself. And, of course, there's going to be a learning curve. Nobody wants to hear that right now because we're just so excited about him coming here and finally getting the opportunity because we've been clamoring for this. To have him and Jordan Walker seeing that young core start to come in that we've been excited and waiting for, it's going to be just huge for this fan base, especially with the way that this season's gone. You need something. You need something to get really, really excited about. And having he and Jordan Walker in the same lineup together, we've been dreaming about that. We haven't been clamoring, but we've been dreaming about it. And it's pretty cool to know that those two can be in the lineup together for such a long time. And I asked this earlier, we've been talking about it, is this feels like the most exciting in-season call-up since when for a top prospect. And you were talking about Oscar Tavares. Other people brought up Rick Ankiel. Coming too. back as an outfielder, that was cool. And then he had a home run in his first game back too. So did Tavares. But yeah, Ankiel coming back as, a, as an outfielder was a much anticipated event. One of the things about Mason Wynn, he, his first year... 98 games with two levels, and he had a 680 OPS. Last year, he had a six uh, an 832 OPS. This year, it's up to 833, playing at two levels, double A and triple A. Uh, what has that process of hitting development been like for Mason Wynn? It's been good. I mean, coming coming out of high school, going to the outside, you know, I had a very 
very little league high school swing, definitely uppercut style that, you know, it might have worked in 97 mile an hour rise balls. Uh, some changes got to gotta be made. So, like you said, Stein, Russ Steinhorn really helped me a lot. And another big name for me has been Daniel Nicolaisen. He's with the big league team now, but uh, he's a big analytic guy and, and kind of knows the numbers. And, you know, I know my body. So us mixing together, I think, has really helped. And, you know, anytime he comes in town, um, last year and, and he was my hitting coach in low way just him kind of setting up some video and, and helping me look throughout my swing i'm more of a visual learner so uh, it's been it's been really big for me i think he's been a big reason why um i'm at where i'm at that's interesting that uh, there's an analytics guy that has helped mason win advance and so the, the question it must be begged how does he use analytics for sure. I mean, I think myself-wise, uh, I like to look at my strikeouts. You know, I'm me being a you know a top of the lineup or just not the biggest power hitter in the world. I don't need to be striking out a whole bunch. So I, that's a big number I look at. And um, you know, I, I usually like to look at the pitcher we're facing. Um, there's a stat called vertical approach angle, which is how the fastball is entering the zone. And you know, if it's a if it's a low number, I know it's going to be a really hoppy guy. You know, a guy with the fastball with a lot of rides. So you know, got to stay on top of that. But now, I try not to look too much at numbers. I mean, other than that, those are really the two stats that I look at. Other than that, I think it's, you know, it's just a lot of eyewash. He sure sounds like he's got it all together. <laughs> he does. Do you think that it's a combination of, with a lot of players, because they get a lot of numbers, they have a lot of people, you know, saying things to them, wanting to change their swing, want to change their approach, want to change this and that, and because the numbers say this, do you think that what makes a player really, really good or how they're able to handle this at such a young age with him being 20 years old is that they're able to decipher the things that they need to take in and filter out? That's such a key. And there are two guys that come to mind. I think Colton Wong initially was overwhelmed by information and numbers, and he just he didn't want to get up to the plate and think. He just wanted to get up there and hit. And I think Harrison Bader ran into the same thing. And uh, Harrison was pretty open about it, about how he just wanted to have things simplified for him. He yes. didn't want to be in a situation where he had to go up and think about numbers and counts and things like that. And Mason Wynn sounds like a guy that says, okay, well, there are some that will help you, but if you look at all of it, it can be overwhelming and winds up being eyewash, and I agree with that. And I think that says a lot about him, too, where he's able to decipher that this early on because it can get overwhelming. Even look at the Jordan Walker situation this season, Mm -hmm. how when he went down to Memphis, what was it that he was told to do? A launch angle, Brooke. He had to improve the walk rate and improve the launch angle and get the ball up in the air more. And then what did he say after being down there in Memphis for a little bit? I didn't change anything (laughs) (laughs) you just kind of have to do what you need to do you have to do sometimes the thing that got you here in the first place of course you have to take in some new information and there's always room for improvement it seems like mason Wynn has been able to decipher that and he's going to have to continue to do that during his career even nolan arenado talks about to this day the change that he has to make throughout his entire career and it's a game of adjustment it's not a game of overhaul yes it's a game of adjustment when things are happening, the great ones, and sometimes with a little nudge and coaching, make those minute changes to allow them to fix what ails them. But they don't need to all of a sudden change their launch angle seven degrees or something like that. It's just 
adjusting. It's, it is. It, it's adjusting to what the pitchers are, the, adjusting to the pitchers' adjustments. Exactly. And I feel like Jim Edmonds right now because I got a special text Ooh, that good. I just got in. I feel okay. like Jimmy, yeah. you know, like how he you does got, that oh, sometimes. He hasn't it done that. The I just got a text, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, guys, I just got a text from Katie Wu of The Athletic. Oh, no, no big deal or anything. You're big time. You're big time. Uh, big time in you guys. Just because we did get this question about worrying about the 45 days if he got mm-hmm. called up a day or two too soon. And she said he can't have more than 130 at-bats and he can't be on an active roster for more than 45 days. But there are exactly 45 days remaining in the season, so he is fine there. And that's important for the Cardinals because now you get draft additional draft compensation if you have the rookie of the year. Exactly. The Cardinals want Mason Wynn to have rookie eligibility for next year because... Players who win Rookie of the Year earn their team an amateur draft pick after the first round now with the new CBA. And doesn't he get some sort of bonus with that? He does. Yeah, okay. there's a pool. So there's, there's an there's incentive for, for both sides. For him to be a rookie next year, too, to have that rookie status. So that's an important thing. So we'll probably see him at 129 at-bats, mm-hmm. and he'll be right at 45 days. So he'll maintain rookie status. Well, he will absolutely start next year as the favorite to be the National League Rookie of the Year. Oh, I can't wait. I, I can't wait. It's going to be so exciting. And then you have Ellie De La Cruz. There's mm-hmm. a lot of young stars in the Central Division that will be fun to watch. Brooke, I sent you guys a text last night. Now MLB Pipeline has the top. The, they listed their new top farm systems. And uh, let me get them in order here. But it's the National League Central after number one. The Orioles are still number one. And then basically the National League Central. So uh, let me get this for you guys. Okay. Orioles one, Pirates two, Brewers three, Cubs four, Reds five. That's the new MLB Pipeline top five system. Orioles, Pirates, Brewers, Cubs, Reds, then Dodgers, Rays, Nationals, Padres, and Rangers. That's kind of a little scary for the Cardinals, right? Yeah, you better have some veterans. I think we've we've called all our guys up. I yes. think that's our farm system is already here. Yes, and the Orioles with Jackson Holiday. Oh man! And uh, Matt said that uh, he could come up and be productive. It would be productive for the Orioles and for Jackson to come up in September, but it's more likely that 19-year-old Jackson Holiday finds Ooh. his way to the majors next year. Yeah, Randy. You know who else isn't in the top ten? Who? The Braves. Are they really? Oh. They're not in the top ten. I'm saying. Oh, because they, the ca- oh, they also they also called up all of their prospects. Oh, so we're in now good they company. Have the, and now they there have go. one yes. of the best rosters, if not the best roster, oh. in the entire league. <laughs> if you're Obviously. going with position players, <laughs> you're saying pitching might bite them in a short series. Pitching may have an effect. Coming up, it's the fight on 101. Do you need a fighter? We got one. We've got a fighter. So uh, coming up, it's a fight here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the to the opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here. Carrie Davis is out today. We, of course, are missing him because it's one of our favorite times during the day. And that is the fight. We're going to welcome in our fighter today to take on Randy Carricker, and it's going to be David. David, how are you doing today? I'm good. How about you, Brooke? Good. I like the name David. I was going to say, Brooke, are you going to find it hard to root for Randy today? 
Yeah, I, I have to root for the Davids. That's fair. Uh, I'm all about the Davids. So, David, we okay. are rooting for you. Are you ready for the wow, fight? Listen to that. Someone, <laughs> someone's ready. trying to get a home-cooked meal tonight. Uh, yeah, that would be nice. Or, you know, like a nice a nice dinner out. I'll, I'll take that, too. All right, question number one. Who is the last running back to score 20-plus rushing touchdowns in a season? Is it Marion Barber III, Michael Turner, or LaDainian Tomlinson? Uh-huh. I think that would be LT. Which yeah, player? Danny All good. Which player to wear zero or double zero for the Cardinals has the most hits in his Cardinals career while wearing that number? Is that Omar Olivares, Bobby Bonds, or Kerry Robinson? Kerry Robinson. Which Central Division team is the only Major League Baseball squad to never win more than a hundred games? Is it the Reds? The Tigers or the White Sox? Can you repeat that question? Which Central Division team is the only Major League Baseball squad to never win more than 100 games? Is it the Reds, the Tigers, or the White Sox? Uh, mm. The Tigers. All right, and who was the last player to steal five bases in a Major League Baseball game? Was it Billy Hamilton, Jose Reyes, or Mag Sierra? Still Billy Hamilton. All All right, we will double check our score. I'm trying to play it. Okay, this is where uh, (laughs) I can put the score here and they won't see it. Okay, we good? There we go. All right, we're good. David, how are you feeling? Uh, So so on that one. So-so? It seemed like you sailed through them pretty easily. How's your Friday going? Uh, it's got off to a good start so far. And so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see if you can continue that good feeling going into the yeah. weekend. Randy, say hi yeah, to David. David, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing good. How about you, Randy? I'm doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. We're, we're kind of rooting for the Davids because, as you know, I like... David like David's, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, it makes sense. That's, that's, so yeah, it's, uh, everybody hates Randy. That's fine. No, that's <sighs> not what we're saying. <laughs> All right, Randy, you ready? I'm ready. Question number one: Who is the last running back to score twenty plus rushing touchdowns in a season? Twenty plus rushing touchdowns. Not many guys get to twenty overall, so. I think I'm going to go with LT. I think I'm going to go with Ladanian Tomlinson when he scored the 31. I'm going to guess that that's probably pretty close. So I'll, I'll go with LT. Sorry about the YouTube chat right now, ladies and gentlemen. The cameras are being very problematic for us right now. Mm. Okay. I'm trying What's to get... On? Well, because they were only showing me and Brooke oh. <laughs> when I added Randy, and now it's only showing me and Randy. And, and then, so I'm trying oh. to figure out which configuration. So it's going to go. It's going to get weird in a second here as, the, as Randy answers the and second question. And then it question. showed Carrie for a second, yeah, but Carrie's not I, here. I'm it was the to, ghost of Carrie. I'm trying to get the right three up at the same time. <laughs> which player to wear zero or double zero for the Cardinals has the most hits in his Cardinals career while wearing that number? Okay, so you have uh, two zeros and two double zeros. You've got Kerry Robinson. You've got Austin Dean, who I don't think will be confused with anybody who ever hit. You had Omar Oliveras, who was a pitcher. And then you had Bobby Bonds, who uh, hit something like 189 for the Cardinals. But did play most of the games. 
For me, this comes down to a Kerry Robinson versus Bobby Bonds debate. And I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to say Bobby Bonds. Hey, let's see. He probably, yeah, he, he might have had like 50 hits for the Cardinals. I'll go with Bobby Bonds. All right. Who was, oh, sorry, I skipped a question because I'm used to reading four and I just was about to jump ahead to that. <laughs> question number three, who is, which Central Division team is the only Major League Baseball squad to never win more than 100 games? Never, a Central Division team that's never won more than 100. Okay. So uh, the Brewers, I believe, have, maybe not. I think they have. Uh, the Cardinals definitely have. The Reds' big red machine definitely did. I think the Pirates and I know the Cubs. So maybe it is the Brewers. Brewers have been around less time, too. Um, only major league team to never win 100 games in a season. Well, Cards, Reds, def- and Cubs definitely have. So this is Brewers and Pirates. I'm going to say Brewers have. Uh, our Pirates have. I'm going to say the Brewers have not. I'm going to go Brewers. Who was the last player to steal five bases in a major league game? Hmm. Uh, I will do the lifeline here, my man. Billy Hamilton, Jose Reyes, or Mag Sierra? I'm going to uh, think it probably wasn't Mag Sierra, so it'll probably be him. Um, so Hamilton or who was the other guy? Jose Reyes. Jose Reyes. Sliding Billy Hamilton is a great name. I will. I will go with. Uh, you know what? I'll go off the board here. I'll go uh, Meg Sierra, former Cardinal. Man, can you believe they traded him? Can you believe that they in that Ozuna trade uh, <laughs> that they they traded that guy? Unbelievable. I definitely wasn't hoping for that kind of reaction when I put him in there as an option. <laughs> terrible. I mean, the, the other guys you don't worry about, but Magnurius Sierra got traded for Marcelo Zuna. How did they do that? I, who cares about the other guys he traded in that tra- trade? If you guys listen to the fight, you know that Fridays are Fridays are finicky because if, if Randy loses, we all go into the weekend, heads down, dour. We gotta do better on Monday. We gotta be better on Monday. Or if Randy wins, we just haul right off into the sunset of the weekend, all happy, rainbow, and sunshine. So, <laughs> is David the one person celebrating in the studio, or does Randy keep on rolling through here another week of the fight? Ring that bell! The winner and new champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis. With the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Congratulations, David. You beat Randy in the fight today. An impressive 3-1 to one victory. Thank you. Thank you very oh, much for joining the show today, David. Let's go through these answers. The last running back to score 20-plus rushing TDs in a season. You have to go, again, all the way back to the record-setting campaign by LaDainian Tomlinson when he, when he ran for 28. No one has touched even 19 since he did that. Wow. It's absolutely insane. Which player to wear number zero or double zero for the Cardinals has the most hits in his Cardinal career while wearing that number? Kerry Robinson put together 99 hits across two seasons. That's over Bobby Bonds' just 47 for the Cardinals while wearing the number zero. What do you got okay, there, Brooke? Okay, I can't wait for the this one oh because gosh. the text line is already going crazy. Okay, that's okay. fine. Uh, which Central Division team is the only MLB squad to never win more than 100 games? Randy, 
AL Central, Chicago White Sox. I was uh, the the question was Central Division team. I it didn't is. get AL. I know, but I'm saying it, they're, they're also in a they're also in a Central Division. I can't. Like I, I knew this was. They're also be, in a Central like, Division. When I read this question. I yeah. knew it was gonna go yeah, so bad. And then when you answered, yeah, I was like, that, that, Oh no! That's 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 oh, uh, that's no. a trick question. I don't think. Because, how is that? Don't, you, don't you think it's a natural <laughs> being in St. Louis? That when you say Central Division, you're thinking NL Central. I mean, I I, I always stipulate when it's specifics like that. I always stipulate AL or NL. So I just said Central you, Division. Then you, it's you an didn't MLB say AL or NL. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it was. I just it's, can't. He I likes doing that. It was fun. I, 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 I know you get a kick out of so those. Bad. It wouldn't have been a tie anyhow. Uh, who was the last player to, to steal five bases in major league in a major league game? It was in fact Billy Hamilton with the Cincinnati Reds. There you go. So a 3-1 win for David. David, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show thank today. You, we will David. talk to you on Monday. Have a good weekend. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Randy, be than mine. I knew. I. I mean. Carrie would be freaking losing it he's, right no, now. He's, he's listening. He's I know happy. he's listening. He's and I literally so, was messaging yeah, back and forth with him. I was like, "That's this is going to go. As soon as you answered it in that mm-hmm. way, I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, you don't here, do that in St. Louis. It, you just don't do that. No, that's just that's just a horrible <laughs> question. It really is. <laughs> Birthday but rock? You're trying to do, you're trying to trick him. I wasn't trying to trick him. Yes, you were. No, I wasn't. Why, why, then why would you do it that way? Because I don't. Because I'd rather you have to think through so ten it, options than five. Well, eleven. Right? Eleven, yeah. Because you have the Houston Astros in there too, that were a Central Division team. That's true. They were. So but you, I wouldn't know. But if it was the Astros, oh I wouldn't. I wouldn't have gotten screwed with the Astros like that. Yeah, Come you would. Come on. No, you I did wouldn't this. have. They're an. They're a West team. So, we. We. Yeah. Uh, don't be mad at me. I just read the question. Oh, I so yeah. I, as no, soon as I, as soon as I came out of my mouth, I was like, Oh no, this is not. Yeah, this is not going to go well. No, it, it, that should have been worded better. But that's a, that's a, he, still he got three right. So even even still, man, but. a trick like that on your birthday on Randy Palooza, yep. Rock. So. Oh my. God. Yeah, I will not have any first watch. Oh, well, you will not. I will. <laughs> we'll all eat first watch in front of Rock. <laughs> <laughs> the bird watches next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Slash droppings here on 101 ESPN, but we're Sunshine Lollipops this morning because Sunshine Lollipops and Rainbow. We've got a new guy. We got Mason Witt up to play shortstop for the Cardinals tonight. Oh, we're excited. We are excited. And it's not just that, it's not just him, but uh, a, a nice performance last night despite a loss for the Cardinals. Here's Brooke. My bird watch is going to be Adam Wainwright. We knew how crucial going into last night this start was going to be for him as everybody's just waiting to see if he will be able to reach 200 by the end of the season. With Waino, it, it felt like the pressure was really on for him last night going into that because of the conversations leading up to us and how he had pitched, especially in those previous two starts leading up to last night. In those previous two, two starts, He gave up a combined 15 runs in just four innings. But in six innings last night, it looked like more of the Wainwright that we were expected to see. He allowed three runs on four hits and three walks over six innings. You don't like to see the walks, but either way, 
it just looked like the Wayno that we were expecting. And you want to see him get that. That was his second quality start of the season for him. And it was needed to show that he still needs a chance and deserves a chance to stay in the starting rotation. And I know that anyways, you could say, well, there's nobody else available. Of course, you have to keep him out there. But it did seem like, especially with that previous performance, that there were possibly some talks about what they might have to do moving forward if he had another start like that last one. And he is obviously extraordinarily competitive, but it sounded to me on Wednesday like it was as much a mental issue as it was a physical issue with him in just being hyper-focused because, like he said, I guess two weeks ago with us, uh, when you're going to retire, sometimes you mentally retire before you physically retire. And it sounds like that he wasn't as hyper-focused for those really rough outings, and he was last night. So good to see. Quality start from Wayno, and hopefully he'll get a couple of more, and the Cardinals will give him enough runs to get to 200 victories. That's a big number. I do. I, I think that it's it will be something that he deserves because of his history, everything that he's done for the organization. It seems like his mindset has also changed. We've talked about that a lot with him, and he talked about on Wednesday about how he just felt like he has missed that edge a little bit. Mm-hmm. And seeing that possibly come back last night is huge. Oh no, I'm I'm doing sunshine lollipop stuff. I'm doing I'm happy. It's not happy a splat, unless you want to say that Lars. If you start with Lars' new bar, well, was put on the ten day that injured list. Splat. That's a splat. Yeah. But literally the bird watch. Yeah, the offense. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, the Cardinals have had Brendan Donovan as their leadoff hitter this year. He is hurt. He's out of the lineup. They've had Lars Newtbar as their leadoff hitter. He's hurt. He's out of the lineup. They've had Dylan Carlson as their leadoff hitter. He's hurt. He's out of the lineup. And they've had Tommy Edmond, who is fine in that role. But as the Cardinals bring Mason Wynn up to the majors, he's got a three fifty nine on base percentage this year. And he's a guy that runs the base as well. If the Cardinals are want, perhaps, to maybe try stealing a base. Well, he can do that. He's stolen 17 bases and been caught twice this year at Memphis. And so here's my thought. Ali, I know you're tuned in. I appreciate that. Let Mason win lead off tonight. Let him. He's going to oh. wind up being your leadoff hitter anyway. So why not let him lead off for you tonight and set the table for Goldie and Arenado and score a run early. Something electrifying and different. Now, do you worry about, because we talked about specifically him needing to stay under the 130 at-bats, You're do you think that for the long run he can stay in that position, or is this just a temporary thing? Because I was assuming they put him towards the end. I would Maybe hope batting ninth that the, or, the, I don't know. I would hope that we would see him. And then if he gets to 120, then you at some point, hopefully you get Newt back and you set Wynn down and you let Edmund play shortstop and you make sure that he stays below 130. Yes. You can do that and still lead him off. But I, I want to see what he can be. I want to see if he can be like Vince Coleman was when he came up in 1985 and turned the team on. And if he can then leave him there until you find out that either he can't or until he gets to 129 at-bats. Yes, I I completely agree. Now, we're going to switch gears just for a second because there might be some controversy. Somebody texted in the Brewers haven't, or they they also... So you were correct in saying that they didn't get to 100 wins? I said that was my guess. It was only a guess. And somebody said that they haven't. Uh, I would think that the Brewers won 100 games at some point. 
Mm, let's, let's just see. check. Do, 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 do. Uh, the, the Brewers. They have, I, I checked the White Sox. When the I Brewers saw have this. not won 100 games oh in a season. God, they haven't. <laughs> so now I was right. <laughs> so you were right. Hmm. Great all, question, Rock. Oh, all I did was no. when, I, when I when I saw the question, all I did was I double checked. I'm like, White Sox have never won more than 100 oh, games. No. This this site had it posted up for a few months now. Going to go to there and tell them they're wrong on that one as well. Uh, I didn't think I didn't go through all the other teams in the central. That was my fault. Hmm. Oh no, Gary texted they were into not, the. They were not an option for the for the listener in that one, but yeah, that's a that that, that, that one's on me, Randy. Uh, Gary just texted into the group chat. First, he said, "Gotcha," mm-hmm. with Rock's question with you, and then uh, gif of him stirring the pot. Yeah. So now I, I get that him. one right. And what did he say? He said the White Sox. Yes, Brewers was not an option. Okay. The Reds were the one annual central team I, th- I put in there to okay. uh, thwart people. Okay, good. Well, still ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> coming up, just, it's our... On your Randy Palooza birthday yeah. week oh, and yeah. weekend. That's what, that's he's horrible. 100% on purpose. Malicious <laughs> yep. and all that. That's all right. That's fine. He, he, he can do it if he wants. He, he loves to see me lose. I feel... I You know, honestly, Randy, yeah, it feels that way. Yeah, he does. It just... It feels that way. It really, really does. Yeah, and don't mind me. I'm just making some soup over here. No, it's okay. It's... Uh, I, I feel kind of like the, um, the the St. Louis Rams after the uh, after the Patriots had had their walkthrough <laughs> taped and they knew the plays that were coming. Yeah, it's kind of like that. <laughs> It happens. The Rush Hour resets next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. If you've been sleeping for a long time, late last night, the Cardinals announced that they have recalled Mason Wynn from Memphis. He will be presumably in the lineup for the Cardinals tonight as they take on the Mets in the second game of a four-game series. The Cardinals will uh, pitch the uh, left-hander, Zach Thompson, and he'll be opposed by TBD of the New York Mets. So it'll be a fun night over at the ballpark. The Cardinals will hopefully have Mason Wynn playing shortstop and leading off. You think? Maybe? I can see that, especially with the injuries that have happened. It'll be interesting to see, and Katie Wu put in her article on The Athletic, that it seems like Tommy Edmond will be the center fielder. Mm -hmm. So then Taylor Motter. Taylor Motter. Oh. No? Oh. Uh, Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Of course. Last night when I... Get in there. When I see... When I see... Taylor Motter, and then it was was Jose Fermin. Was he batting ninth? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I saw that at the bottom, I was like, uh, "Yeah, this isn't going to go well." It's not right? what we, well, not what we planned on seeing on August seventeenth when the season started. <laughs> no, could you imagine if you were able to tell somebody like these two with these batting averages are going to be in the bottom of your order? Yeah, the, the Cardinals lineup uh, at the end of the game. Well, at the beginning of the game, it was Edmund, Goldie, Arenado, Contreras, O'Neill, Walker, Kisner, Motter, and Fermin. Yeah, that would not have been something that we would have anticipated. And 
it did indeed happen, and the Cardinals lost by a score of 4-2. to two. However, we mentioned Tyler O'Neill. He is getting hot again. Well struck, deep left field to the track and the wall, and the Cardinals are on the board. First home run allowed by Jose Quintana in nearly 100 innings. Last night's game was on the two Fox. That was Jason Benetti on Fox. He was here with John Smoltz. And the Cardinals fall by a score of 4-2. to two. But the exciting part of uh, of this day and of this week is going to be the arrival of Mason Wynn. And hopefully he'll wind up being what the Cardinals expect him to be. I think so. It's, it's of course, there's going to be a lot of pressure when he's first coming up. But just the sound that we have heard is he seems so confident in who he is and what he brings to the table then that feels like we, we've been talking about how this group is kind of missing guys with flair or even some of that swagger that you saw with Harrison Bader or just other players that they've had in recent years. It felt like that was missing. I know that Wilson Contreras has shown flashes of that, but it seems like that was stifled a little bit mm-hmm. with everything, the kerfuffle that happened with Wilson Contreras and the Cardinals this season. He seems like he's a lot more energetic and getting some of that back. But Mason Wynn feels like he brings that flair and that's going to be so exciting to see for years to come. That's the thing. I was just thinking about years to come with the young players that the Cardinals have, with Walker and now Mason Wynn. And you look around, I don't know that they're still going to give a guy like Dylan Carlson a chance, but you hear Jim Bowden say, I think he's going to go somewhere else and be an all-star, and you're going to wind up with a, a Rosarena or a Garcia situation. He's He hasn't turned 25 yet. Yeah, and maybe that's going to be more of like a Lane Thomas situation. Lane Thomas was not somebody that people were upset about when he left Mm -hmm. the organization. Of course, I think people would be upset with Dylan Carlson leaving, but leaving, but I'm saying in the way of if you looked at Lane's numbers before he left the organization, maybe something did click for him elsewhere, or it just wasn't the right situation for him to be in. Maybe the pressure is less when you're playing for a team like the Nationals, Mm -hmm. and he was able to flourish and find a better role there. It also could just be that situation's where sometimes it doesn't work out. But it does bring up the concerns of this was a guy that was very, very, it was exciting when he was brought up. We were talking about the excitement with uh, calling up a prospect and kind of all the energy surrounding it. Mm -hmm. Dylan Carlson was one of those guys, and he was also a name that was possibly brought up in that Juan Soto trade, but cold dead hands, you're not going to be able to rip him away. He's going to be our center fielder of the future, and then it's dropped off so quickly from that. Right, but bottom line, even if he goes, and we are generally disappointed half the time with kids, but Walker, Wynn, Herrera, Graceffo, Hence, uh, you, you've got some, uh, Lars is already here, 25 mm-hmm. years old. You've got a pretty substantial group of young players. If they can rise to the occasion and be what they expect them to be, then again, you supplement them with the Arenados and the Goldschmidts of the world. You yes. go out and get veteran players, hopefully veteran winning players, and that can really turn into something. I thought it was interesting last night, by the way, uh, and if you haven't listened to this, Brooke uh, directed this podcast to me. It's called The Show with John Heyman and Joel Sherman from the New York Post, and they had Matt Holliday as their guest, and asked him a question that I ask a lot of people is, does the process-driven approach of baseball lead to winning? And he was talking about how, like, in showcases, they'll have a uh, 
a pitcher throw a ball 20 feet over uh, the head of a first baseman, but if, it, if the ball is going 105 miles an hour, it's looked at as a good thing because of the velo rather than the, the things that you do to win baseball games. And Matt agreed that especially at the lower levels where it's so individualized and you're looking for launch angle and exit velo, you aren't doing the little things to play team baseball. I wonder, Brooke, if a Cardinals organization or any other organization would decide, you know what, the the analytics are great, the individual numbers are great, but we're going to teach players how to play winning baseball. If everybody in your organization has that philosophy to play good, solid, fundamental baseball, and they come up with that idea, okay, I'm going to play to make plays to win games. I wonder if they win a lot more than everybody else because everybody else is so individualized and doesn't care about fundamentals. And in that same podcast, Matt Holiday was when he was talking about the analytics and the analy- analytics movement, he brought up the fact that he thinks that baseball does come in waves and with trends and things that you see. So he thinks that it will eventually get back to that point. But he talked about his son, Jackson Holiday, which we've seen what he's done this season. Everybody is excited about him and all the potential that he has. He talked about how Jackson is so focused on winning. Of course, he's looking at his individual numbers, but we're talking about that competitive team aspect at the minor league level. He talks about how focused Jackson is on winning and making it Mm -hmm. about the team. And it feels like with the approach of analytics, it makes it individualized and it takes away that team aspect because you're so focused on launch angle on those individual performances that the team part gets completely left out of that so how do you get back to that how do you get back to just simplifying it making it what it is which is a team sport which is what you need in order Mm -hmm. to win games we've seen you can't buy wins this season if you look at what's happened with the Mets and even the Padres to an extent you can't buy wins or chemistry how do you then go from analytically driven to back to just keeping it simple and focusing on team mindset and being competitive. I think that you really have to get players in formative years, right when they get to the minor league level. You can say, okay, everything you did in college, everything you did in those showcases, that's great, but we're going to use those tools that you've learned in a different manner now. Mm. You're going to have to know how to make a throw to first base. You're going to have to know how to hit a cutoff man. You're going to have to know, uh, rather than launch angle, just hit the ball to the right side to move a runner from second to third with less than two outs so that we can set up for a sacrifice fly. You're going to have to learn to get your bat on the ball to hit a sack fly rather than swing for the fences and strike out. I think if you do the, if you teach the little things and tell the players and show the players, here's what winning players make. Okay, you can do all these individual things, but here's what players that play on championship teams Mm -hmm. make. I think that you can convince people that it is a good thing to try to win. And also, does that come down to the staff and what you have surrounding that? The the staff is everything. And it's got to be an organizational decision. It's got to come from the top. You can't have an organization that says, okay, in a ball, we're going to come in and we want everybody to do launch angle and exit velo, and we don't care if you strike out. But then you get to double A, and it's oh, now we care if you strike out. You can't have it be that way. You can't have both things. You have to have it be an organizational philosophy, which is generally every organization, our organization here, the bank, the car dealership across the street, <laughs> every organization except for baseball these days seems to focus on doing things to win. Yeah, and and that's what is so confusing about how we got to this point. What made it get to this point? Is it just Moneyball, or what? What totally got what, what got us to this point? Yeah, it's well, it, it's Moneyball, and then the idea that you can do it cheap. 
right? We, we've that, cut, we've yes. cut down on the number of minor leaguers. We've t- cut down on the number of minor league teams. We've cut down on the number of players we draft to develop. And it's, okay, we're going to draft players. Now we're only going to do 20 rounds rather than 50. Naturally, they're going to have to make it to the major leagues faster. And they're making it to the major leagues faster, and a lot of them are making it to the major leagues. And they just, not that they can't play, it's just that they don't have those fundamentals ingrained like an Ozzie Smith did when he made it to the majors, or like an Edgar Renteria did when he made it to the majors with the Marlins. It's just a different world. It is. It's a different world, and it's interesting to see it all play out. It is. That's Brooke. I'm Randy Carey off today, although he's laughing a lot, apparently. Uh, (laughs) He's he's going to be in with the fast lane this afternoon. He'll be with, with Jamie Rivers. Coming up, our buddy Chip Carey the TV voice of the Cardinals on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Driven toward right center. Ramirez long run still going at the wall. That ball is going to go. And opposite field home run for Mason Wynn. Thing found another gear. Chip Carey with a spring training home run by Mason Wynn on Bally Sports and the TV voice of the Cardinals joins us now as he does every Friday morning here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Chip, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. Good morning to you. Uh, miss you for the last few days. You ready to rock and roll tonight? <laughs> yeah, I still think it's nine innings and three outs per inning. Is that still true? <laughs> that is, that, that's exactly it. One, two, it's three. For a while, yeah. Uh, they asked me to take a few games off during the course of the season. So between that and the national TV game last night, we had a little bit of an extended break. But yeah, ready to get going for this final push. And uh, as I think you're going to allude to here in a moment, a special night tonight. Yeah, and uh, that's exactly what I was going to ask you, how excited you are. Because we all, people that have covered the game for a long time, we've seen a lot of exciting prospects come up. Come up. Heck, you got the Acuna experience in Atlanta, but how cool is it to have had Walker and now Mason Wynn coming up? It's my favorite part of the game because these guys are the lifeblood of our sport, and who knows where Mason Wynn or Jordan Walker's career, for that matter, is going to take them. But he, we've heard so much about this young man. I saw him, as you uh, just played that highlight this spring, and obviously he's a tremendously talented kid. And uh, hopefully people will enjoy this moment and let him soak that in and settle in as what we hope will be a longtime major leaguer. But also, don't put the pressure on him being the savior of your team and the savior of your season. That's not going to be his job. He's going to do just what Jordan Walker did, I hope. Come in, fit in, be one of the guys, and figure this thing out and get a jump start on what we hope will be a much more successful and rewarding 2024 year. I think that's very well said, Chip. I think everybody is just hopefully just really excited to see this energy he brings. And we were listening to what he was saying earlier, and he's saying all the right things about how he really wants to put on a performance for the fans every single night. What's a player comp that you think would be good for him? Oh, gosh. I, you know, Brooke, that's, those things are so dangerous, right? Because then all of a sudden it gets in someone's head, well, that he's, he's, he's Clayton Kershaw or Max Freed, which is the comp that we've used with Zach Thompson. I'll say this. The one thing that impressed me about Mason Wynn was his range and his arm. Uh, this kid's got a cannon. He's uh, Sean Dunstan. Older fans will remember Sean Dunstan, the great Cub shortstop. This guy can really sling it from short. Uh, his ability to cover ground up the middle is going to be a lot of fun to watch. He's got fresh young legs. Dare anyone say he's anything at all like Ozzie Smith. That's not a fair comparison. But when you talk about a shortstop being a defense first position in today's game, that's going to be critically important without the shifting that we used to take for granted in the game. That's gone. And his ability to help out Arenado to his right and get to balls behind the bag at second base, 
uh, on the first base side of that bag, I think is going to really, really help our pitching staff. And uh, if he can just come in and defend, make all those plays, and whatever he provides offensively is going to be a bonus. Uh, the run prevention aspect, I think, is what's got me so excited about him joining the club. Chip, when uh, Sean Dunstan was drafted in 1982 and subsequently came up, he was in the same draft as Dwight Gooden and Whitey Herzog pointed out. He said, yeah, the Cubs, uh, they, they had the first pick in the draft and they decided to go with the guy with the best arm. <laughs> right, right, and, and and he could have pitched. I think I think Dunstan asked and begged in those days, "Hey, I'd like to pitch," and they wouldn't let him do it. Uh, knowing some of the Cubs pitchers that worked in that era, that probably would have been a better decision. But uh, you know, but you know, look, it's it, the game has changed in this regard in so many ways, and it's kind of fun to think about. Run prevention is more important than scoring runs, and I think we've seen that bear fruit for the Cardinals this year, right? Uh, a ground ball staff that just couldn't get outs on, an, on enough ground balls to be effective was was really problematic. And I think, uh, and that's not blaming one guy, that's a collective effort. But uh, the oldest strategy in baseball, be strong up the middle defensively. If you think about that with a Mason Wynn or a Tommy Edmond or a Nolan Gorman or a Brendan Donovan and that a Tommy Edmond, for example, playing center field, that's pretty slick, and that's going to give you a really, really good chance to win from the defensive aspect every night. So uh, it's going to be fun to see this kid get started. It's my favorite, as I said, part of the uh, game is seeing kids get to the big leagues and hopefully begin a trip to Cooperstown. And, Chip, you think about the, the youth with Gorman being 23, with Lars Newbar being 25, with Herrera, who's going to be here being 23 years old, and then the young pitchers that they have on the horizon. And not every prospect is going to work out and become a star, but, boy, there's a wealth of youth that the Cardinals have to look forward to. Yeah, I think you're right. I think anybody would rather say we'd like to have an abundance of young and experienced players as opposed to older, experienced ones that aren't very good. And I think that's what's really, really exciting about the Cardinals. And I think part of the challenge for Mo is going to be in this offseason, adding some more veteran presence uh, in the bullpen, in the rotation. Another veteran bench guy might, I think, really be helpful uh, for this group. But you're right, Randy. It's a talented group. Uh, they've grown together. They've matured together in the minor leagues. And now they get to gel together at the major leagues. And uh, the really good teams, like you mentioned, Atlanta, uh, you know, Riley, Acuna, Albies, uh, uh, Freddie Freeman when he was there, all of those guys played together a long time, both in the minors and majors. And when you have that, then you have a core around which you can build your franchise and your team for a nice long run. And I think that's what the Cardinals have brewing now. Chip, Adam Wainwright, it felt like we were talking about earlier a bounce back performance from him. What was your takeaway from his performance? A lot better. Uh, I thought he pitched really effectively. It was a quality start. He didn't get any offensive support. Uh, you know, he made the mistake to Alonzo, and Alonzo hit it out. That's what big league hitters are supposed to do, and Alonzo's one of the best sluggers in the game. But I think it was an encouraging start for Adam. Look, the guy wants to wants to get to 200, but more than that, he wants to give the team a chance to win, and that's exactly what he did last night. Now, whether that was a change in his routine or a change in his stuff, I don't know. I haven't talked to Adam about that. Um, but at the end of the day, the results were there. You, know, you, you pitch six innings, you give up three runs, you give your team a chance to win, and uh, that's exactly what he did. So something upon which for him to build, and hopefully he'll uh, get, a, get a turn now uh, when we're on the road trip in Pittsburgh and have another chance to, to move toward 200. Chip Carey with us on 101 ESPN. And Chip, one of the advantages a franchise like the Mets have is that they can make a massive mistake and still build a team for the next year or two. It's interesting. They're paying players to not play for them more than the Cardinals' payroll is. And more than about half the teams in baseball are are paying their teams. They're paying like $160 million to pay players that aren't playing for them anymore. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's uh, But it, it just goes proof positive that just 
spending money willy-nilly doesn't necessarily lead to uh, success. It certainly increases your chances of it. Uh, but I think the Mets and Cardinals are, are kind of a parallel this year. You know, it, for whatever reason, a, a talented group of players, it just didn't work together for whatever reason. And I think both Cardinals and Mets wisely decided to change course. Their decisions, as you said, Randy, were a hell of a lot more expensive than the ones that the Cardinals have had to deal with. Um, but, you know, that's that's the challenge going forward is if, if you spend money, you've got to spend it wisely. And even if you do that, you don't really know. It's a crapshoot. And uh, fortunately for the Cardinals, they didn't have as many mistakes as the Mets did. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the, the challenge for uh, uh, New York is uh, how does Steve Cohen spend his next $360 million? And, and the people that are making those decisions, do they do the job the way it should be done? Those are those are big questions they've got to answer in a big media market that has proven to be not so kind to maybe the biggest disappointment in baseball this year. And Chip, one other thing. The first time we talked after you got the job, you told me about how you wanted to have fun with the broadcast. And I can tell on a nightly basis, regardless of how the team is performing, you're having fun. And I know that because you say this is your favorite thing, watching young players come up. These last uh, almost 50 games, you're going to have a good time with, right? You're going to have a good, uh, a fun time with. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, are the Cardinals going to make the playoffs? Probably not. I mean, they're not eliminated, so you have to go to the ballpark with the hope of, hey, they can run off 17 in a row. Is that likely? No, but is it possible? Sure. Uh, What I keep saying to Jim Evans and Brad Thompson, my partners, what I want to see is growth from young guys. You know, let's look at what Alec Burleson can do offensively. Let's see what he can do defensively. Gorman, when he's able to play, how's he playing second base? Walker, is is he improving in the outfield? The young pitchers, you know, Dakota Hudson, a 16-game winner before. Is he taking strides to getting back to looking like that? Matthew Libertor, you know, didn't have a good game here uh, against Oakland, but how does he recover from that? Those are those are the key things that you look at in, in games in times like this, and Lord knows I've had plenty of experience doing that with the Cubs, <laughs> but you look for little glimmers of hope and little signs of improvement that give you hope as to where the trend, is, trend line is going to be going into 2024, and I'm cautiously optimistic. I really like the young guys on this team, and I think the future is very, very bright for them. Always good to hear your voice, Chip. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it, and we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Y'all have a great weekend. You too. See you later. That's Chip Carey. He is the TV voice of the Cardinals on Bally Sports. Brooke and Randy. And earlier this week, I had a chance to talk to Will Power, who has a lot of what Willpower. Is Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I, I was I was saying when you said you did the interview with him, I was like, what a fantastic name. It's great. I love it. He is almost uh, as good as Mason Blaze win, but Blaze uh, takes almost, the cake. Yeah. Will Power is one of the top drivers on the IndyCar circuit. He's going to be here at the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 next weekend. And I had a chance to talk to him and we'll hear that interview with him next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Coming up next weekend at Worldwide Technology Raceway on the 26th and 27th, it's the 7th Bomberito Automotive Group 500. And when you look at the history of the race, the two people that have dominated are Joseph Newgarten, who's won the race four times, and Will Power, who's been on the pole four times and also won in 2018. And earlier in the week, I had a chance to visit with the defending champion of the IndyCar Series, Will Power. And we welcome back into the conversation, Will Power. He is the 2018 Bomberito 500 champion, a four-time pole sitter. And, Will, we're looking forward to having you back at the Bomberito 500. How do you like the trip to St. Louis these days? Uh, I love going to St. Louis. It's uh, it's, a la- it's the beginning of the last stretch. We've got uh, three back-to-back races. And I've had some good success there. I've had a 
bit of heartbreak as well. So uh, felt like we should should have, should have won the race last year. We had a really fast car and kind of caught a yellow at the wrong time. But but uh, I love the track. I love the area and uh, look forward to going there every year. Yeah, you talk about uh, the fast car. You've had the pole position here four times of your 70, your record 70 pole positions. Uh, how do you like the the layout of this track? It's so much different than some of the other tracks that you guys drive on. It is. It is quite different. Um, very high banked, tight turn one, two with almost braking in the race and downshifting to all, an almost wide open turn three, four in qualifying. So, um yeah, it's it's uh, it's a fun track. It's hard to get your car to work well, but um, it's, it's quite an enjoyable race. Will you won the IndyCar Series for the second time last year? And in every sport, people talk about how difficult it is to repeat. In IndyCar, what makes it so difficult to repeat? I think it's uh, the competition is just so tough these days. All the the level. The driver level right now is so strong and and also thick. <laughs> so like twenty guys that can win week in week out, and the teams equally. So I mean, the teams have got you know it's not just asking Ganassi anymore. You got Andretti, you got McLaren, you got Ray Hall. Um, I know I'm missing a couple here, but the teams are very strong and. It's just extremely difficult to put that season together. Even when you put a good season together, I would say this season hasn't been terrible. Um, you know, you're out of the top five. You've got to be extremely good and consistent, fast. Uh, yeah, it's it's great to be a part of it. I'm telling you, it is great to be a part of this fierce competition and to have seen how much IndyCar has grown over the last 18 years that I've been a part of it. It's really cool to see. Yeah, and will you talk about the other teams? Heck, you get into your building, and it's probably hard just to win in your own, go down the hallway and win win in your own building, right? It's, yep, it's <laughs> tough to win against your own teammates. You're exactly right. It's, um, which, which, which makes it great. You know, there's no one person dominating this series. It's incredibly uh, competitive. You have, a different winner every week and a different pole sitter every week um, and a very unpredictable races as far as who's, who's going to win. So I think anyone who watches IndyCar that is a motorsport fan is an immediate fan of this series because I don't think you can match the product, the on-track product anywhere. What's your favorite part of it? From If you're talking to a consumer, What's your favorite part of what people will see on the 27th or here? Yeah, I just think people people love the, the competition. The uh, You know, I, I just I think the racing is just incredibly tight and good and unpredictable. And, you know, they're a gateway. You never know who's going to win until the last, not really until the last stop or last restart. You start to get an idea of how it's unfolding. But uh, just very good personalities in this series, incredibly competitive, great teams, and we put on a great show week in, week out. You know, I, that's sort of what you hear amongst the fans. So it's cool to be a part of it. Does your team have a rivalry with Joseph 
of New Gardens team? I know that, that you're on the same team, but does your group of people, because if you look at this race in particular, it's Will Power and Joseph Newgarden all over the place. Is there a little bit of a rivalry there? Yes, there is. Um, the three teams, we all have to work together in the office, but ultimately when you get out on the track, it's every man for himself and we all want to win because it's so hard to get a win in this series. So yes, it is a, a tough rival. rival. Uh, Will, I, I want to ask you this too, because you've done everything in racing, a two-time champion, you've won the Indy 500, you've won everywhere, you've set the record for pole positions. What's left for you? What's the, what's the next big hurdle for Will Power and his team? It's, it's just winning races right now. I mean, that's winning pole positions, podiums and races. Uh, to win another championship would be amazing. That's that's always a goal. You're always turning up to win a championship, win an, win an Indy 500, another Indy 500, another championship would be amazing. But just winning a race is huge in this series. A couple of other things I want to touch on. Number one, your brother is a stand-up comedian that uses your career sometimes in his, his, his acts. Does he run that by you before he uses it? No, no, he doesn't run a by me. <laughs> Is he? Yeah, yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, he just if he thinks it's funny, he'll say it. So yeah. no one, do you, no one's safe. Do you always think it's funny? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. I. Uh, you should follow him. Uh, he's, he's Damien Power. It's um, it's good stuff. He has. He puts out a lot of good stuff. I love it. Okay, we'll we'll follow him and we'll we'll check him out on YouTube, Damian Power. And then yeah. the the other part of this is is that you've been in this industry for a long time. And I, I mentioned earlier that you set the all time uh, pole position record, being Mario Andretti late last year. What was it like to have your group pass a name like that for any record? Oh, my, just uh, yeah, amazing. You know, it's. Like I always say, it's something I would not have believed when I uh, started this IndyCar career. Uh, you know, I just feel very lucky to been been have been in a team that is capable of giving me a car that to win week in week out, and uh, to to surpass Mario, who I am a massive fan of, and is one of the best drivers in the history of the sport because he could race in so many different disciplines. I mean, uh, yeah, very, very cool. Very cool. When I was a kid growing up watching the Indy 500, he was kind of my guy and I'm older than you, but is, uh, uh, was he one of your guys as a kid, as you, as a young race fan in Australia? He, he was, and Michael Andretti was the two, the, the Andretti family. Yeah. But Mario and, and more so Michael was my, my era mm -hmm. as a kid growing up um but yeah just i think we're lucky to have the name andretti in our sport i think it's it's uh yeah goes hand in hand with indycar racing or just racing in general well it's going to be warm i know you work out a lot you, you really have to be in great shape to drive the cars in the heat here in st louis don't you i love the heat i love i love a hot hard race like makes you work for it I, I, I enjoy that. I'm down Sebring right now, and it feels like it's about 110 degrees. It's so humid. It's very tough. <laughs> Does your workout regimen benefit you in driving in the heat? 
It does. Yeah, on 90-degree days, I put my rowing machine, my ski erg machine, and my uh, aerodyne bike outside and do a high-intense workout and do stair runs and push-ups with it. So uh, I I rub my hands together when it's this hot. I love it. <laughs> I'll bet, and I'll bet when a race is done, you are just mentally and physically exhausted. Yeah, you are. That night, you are pretty. You are pretty mentally and physically exhausted. But as the season goes on, you get pretty car fit. I'd say, pretty car fit. You recover a little bit faster, and you know, we, I raced on Saturday. I feel pretty good today. I'm doing two days of testing tomorrow and Thursday. Good. Hey, Will, we always look forward to having you here in St. Louis, and uh, we loved when you won the championship. We love the pole positions, and hopefully you can cross that finish line again first year at Gateway uh, at Worldwide Technology Raceway coming up on the 27th. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Randy. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, Will, thank you, and we'll see you here in town. Awesome. Thank you. That's Will Power. He will be racing in the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 coming up next weekend at... Worldwide Technology Raceway. Tickets available at www.raceway.com. Next up, we're going to head down the stretch with Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It is time for Rock and Roll. We've had several questions about the Cardinals adding Mason Wynn to the 40-man roster, and they have plenty of space after taking Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton and Jordan Hicks and Jack Flaherty and Paul DeYoung off the roster. They've added some guys since. The only guy, is from the tra- the only guy that they've added to the 40-man from the trades is Drew Rahm. So the other players that they got in the trades are not on the 40-man. So the Cardinals have plenty of space. And if they wanted to add another man to the 40-man, right now Brendan Donovan's only on the 10-day. So they could add him to the 60. He's not coming back this year. So there's plenty of 40-man roster space. And I would think there's spaces out there if the Cardinals would desire to uh, rehome somebody they could do it very easily. Rehome who you um, think? Let me give you uh, just an example. Kyle okay. Leahy how about Kyle Leahy? I forgot he was around still. Mm-hmm. James Nail's still on the major league roster good for him. Is he really? I want to see him play tonight. Yeah. Didn't they, don't you remember didn't they DFA him was that last season on his birthday yeah. or something like that? Yeah something like that. Do you really want to see him? But yeah if he's here I want to have him Get an opportunity. Cardinals up like fifteen to four. Yeah, something like that. That'd be good. Uh, that specific opportunity. <laughs> very specific like circumstances. A, like a May Jordan Hicks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A or, very uh, low, low, low leverage situation. Low, low, low. Right. So anyway, there's there's plenty of opportunity for the Cardinals if they so desire to add people to the forty man roster. There is. And Mason Wynn is already on it. And he is. Win, I, win, win, win. I'm just so excited. I wonder now if more fans are going to go to the game, like go and buy tickets for tonight, just specifically to see Mason. See win. that opener? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It's exciting. All right, now I got now I got to hear. We're, we are very sunshines and lollipops today. This okay. Is not an Eeyore thought oh, in sight. Oh, of course. No, no, no. It's, I'm not it's sunny it in. outside, I'm not and you're going to be the dark no, cloud coming I'm not. in. I want you guys oh, to keep building on this. Okay. And I want debut predictions. What does Mason Wynn do tonight? Ooh. I don't know. I think I, I want to say it. Maybe this is just me being two sunshine and light pops. I want to see him in the same game, home run and a stolen base. Oh! That'd be fun. No, I don't think he'll do that tonight. I think he'll go two for four with a stolen base and maybe okay. score a run. 
Randy, I, I like that you guys both went with stolen base because, Randy, you asked me a question before the show, and we got two different texts without us really bringing up the question, which was, they asked it exactly how you did. Do you think the Cardinals will let Mason win run? That's two different texts we've got today. Ooh. Randy Carricker asked me the question before the show. Do you think they will let him run? Clearly, both of you do. Why would they be so excited about Victor Scott II if they didn't plan on running at some point? Uh, he can cover a lot of ground in center field. Good defense. But they they talk about his stolen bases. So 74 stolen bases. That's what they're talking about. That's how you win a championship in Memphis. So, I mean, Peter Borg just covered a lot of ground in center field, <laughs> right? Was he supposed to seal bags too? Yeah, well, you got to get on base first. <laughs> but no, they, um, the Cardinals have not utilized their athleticism in terms of stealing bases at the highest level under this analytics-driven group. That seems to be around baseball to the, the cutting-edge teams. It seems to be changing a little bit. I... And why is that, though, that you think that the Cardinals haven't utilized this, uh, u- utilized that this I season? I don't think they're cutting edge, Brooke. Oh. I think that uh, a, a team like Tampa, for example, Atlanta, for example, I think they they look at rules changes and say, oh, this can benefit us. We have a lot of good young athletes. Let's get them doing things like running. Hmm. And uh, I, don't, I think the Cardinals are more reactive than proactive at this stage of their existence. Wait, so you're telling me that the pitch clock, the restriction for throwing over, the larger bags might have changed the math about how likely a steal could be? Yes. And therefore they should have adjusted the thought process there? We think of the Tampa Bay Rays as analytics, right? The the reason that they win is because of numbers. They, They take Blake Snell out of games. The Tampa Bay Rays have 130 stolen bases. Only the Reds have more stolen bases this year than the Rays do. And Arizona's having a pretty good year. They've stolen 124 bases. Uh, the Cubs, as of a couple of nights ago, were in a wild card spot. They've stolen more than 100 bases. So I, I just think there's something to be said. And not that the Cardinals aren't stealing any. They've stolen 71. But I think there is something to be said for if you're going to have athletes utilizing that athleticism. By the way, the, the Braves are at 98, their ninth in oh Major League Baseball. Gosh. Yeah. When we just talk about fundamentals and just getting back to some of that competitive nature instead of individual things, manufacturing runs in any way possible or just competitive base running, any of that, I feel like a lot of the teams have that makeup. And so it's just very confusing to me why we haven't seen that as much this season. I think there's an element of fear. I think sometimes, well, this is totally the case. And this is a product of Billy Bean and Moneyball. It was in the book. They treat every single one of the 27 outs like gold, right? And they would rather than sacrifice an out to get a runner into scoring position or get that runner to third base, the analytics people say, no, you have to try to hit a home run. And more times than not, they strike out. But it's much easier to manufacture a run by butting a runner over and getting a base hit than hitting a ball over the fence. Logic would dictate that. That's why, and that's why I don't get it. But their math doesn't work that way. It's just there. It feels like so many times this season, the Cardinals' reliance on the home run has haunted them. Yeah, I, I would say it has, and that's because they can't manufacture runs. You look at the Dodgers; they hit a ton of home runs, but they also have the ability to manufacture a run. A- Atlanta, 
perfect example. They uh, does anybody? Let me check and see. I think that the Braves might have. They've got the most home runs in Major League Baseball by a huge margin, 232. But we mentioned they're ninth in stolen bases. They can also manufacture a run. If if you hit home runs, that should not preclude you from being able to manufacture runs too. Somebody somebody texted in. Can't steal bases when you don't get on base. Well, that's why we're talking about. <laughs> yes. Well, and you can't, but. The, that's one of the frustrating things about the Cardinals is that they do get on base. Cardinals are uh, fourth in Major League Baseball, third in the National League in on-base percentage, and still in the bottom third in stolen bases. Cardinals do a great job of getting on base. I wonder who leads the league in risp. I'll bet you it's Atlanta. Right off the top so? of my head, I would think so, yeah. So to we'll, we'll look it machine. up. But to the Google machine. Yeah. That's a big thing. So the Cardinals offense really has not been the problem this year. No, it hasn't. I just like, I I like, I prefer a different style of offense. And I do like the idea of being able to supplement the home run with the the ability to, if you're in a tie game in the ninth, get a walk, bunt a runner over, and then get a base hit to get him home. Well, and you've seen them say so many times this year with specific players, how they want to see more of that power. It seems like Mm -hmm. the exit velo has become a big topic of discussion when they're evaluating players and developing them, where no wonder your reliance on the home run has haunted you this season. What were you going to say, Rob? Uh, uh, As of fan graphs on August 14th, so nothing from the last four days included here, the Los Angeles Dodgers had an 852 OPS Mm -hmm. with runners in scoring position. The Braves were second with an 846. There you go. So, hmm. two top teams in the National League. Something there about that, huh? There's That's something, uh, something but there. There's no such thing as clutch. No. I hit a little predictionary <laughs> with the Mason win. I want to ask you guys really quickly. St. Louis City minus 120 to win on Sunday in their return back to league action. Are you taking that? 3 0 clean sheet. Woo! Oh, yep. I was going to say 1 0. Either way, you're taking it. And by the way, uh, speaking of uh, some, some betting numbers, Mizzou is plus 116 over. Six and a half wins when I was in my good friend Stan's home state. Mm. Uh, I, I made the bet on it. Smart bet, bet. smart bet, dumb bet. Smart, smart bet. I, th- I think I, I think I underbet yeah. it, Randy. Yeah. I think I underbet it. Smart bet. Good bet. I like yes. it a lot. Yes. Let's go. Uh, great job by our, well, pretty darn good <laughs> job. <laughs> no, I couldn't win for losing today. Oh. It was, I don't think we'll forget about that yeah, we'll fight wash, question. We'll wash the hands. <laughs> We'll knock on some wood, and we'll, we'll try to get it again on Randy, Monday. My, my apologies, you, everybody. You did it during Randy Palooza, too. And it was also, not on purpose. Yes. Thank you, Matthew. Tomorrow is Randy's birthday, so happy birthday. Happy birthday oh, thank Randy. you. I appreciate it. Yes. I'm still going to be old. We, we've been enjoying oh, 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 Randy Palooza. It's been fantastic. And yeah, thanks to you guys for participating, and thanks to uh, all of my friends that uh, set up uh, the the Randy Palooza week it's been spectacular. We we've been benefiting from it we for have. sure. Yep, and uh, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. We've got a balloon party with T Mac and Ajax coming up for all of us until Monday morning at seven. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.